This is episode 199 of How About That Cigar, recorded live at the Corona Cigar Studio. We have Skip Martin and Mike Rosales back on the show to talk about some of their new projects and a few other industry topics. Please take a minute to subscribe on your favorite podcast platform so you never miss an episode. Now on with the show. Corona Cigar Company is your one-stop shop for all your cigar needs. Whether that's a brand new humidor, a box of those new cigars you've been waiting for, a top-of-the-line cutter or lighter, a place to enjoy the finest cigars and spirits with friends, or the only cigars grown right here in the Sunshine State, we've got you covered. Come visit one of our retail locations for the ultimate cigar experience. Visit us online at coronacigar.com. How about that cigar? How about that cigar? Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Corona Cigar Studios for episode 199 of How About That Cigar Live. Thank you so much for joining us live on Facebook, live on YouTube. And if you're listening after the fact on the audio podcast, guys, thank you so much for making How About That Cigar a part of your regular audio podcast rotation. Uh, And here in the Corona Cigar Studios, we are talking about the Minnesota Twins. Mm. Uh, good start say, to the season. Uh, the red hot Minnesota. Twins? I wouldn't say red hot. I'd say I'd say taking uh, the Astros two two out of three. Yeah, I mean they've they've been playing pretty well. Um, uh, the home opener was a blast. But I oh went my, I went oh, with my right. my wife and my youngest son to the home opener. It was cold though, man. It was it was like the high was fifty degrees, but it was super windy, so it felt like forty degrees. Um. But it was a great game to be at because, I mean, if you're like for true baseball fans, first of all, it was my first ever home opener for the Twins. So it was great to be a part of. So home opener, fantastic pitching performances on both sides. Sonny Gray had 13 strikeouts, was just an absolute beast on the mound. Um, We had extra innings and a walk-off win for the Twins. So it was like a bunch of boxes you could check for, you know, just a great uh, home opener. Uh, and it was so cool because, you know, in the t- in in the past, you know, when you bring your kids to the ballpark for a game, you know, you expect that they're going to be just kind of distracted the whole time. E- my son Eli was was like in the into the game and watching the game and paying attention and everything. So that was because uh, I usually uh, I'm too into it when I'm there. I'm like watching the game and right. really into it. And uh, he was too. It was it was absolutely awesome. Uh, the wild, <laughs> I mean, they they were doing so well and this, yeah, the, the brakes screech on and we got injuries. Now Erickson Eck is done. Yep. Um, I think Reeves is still hurt yep. if I'm not mistaken. Uh, we're, we're, we're calling guys up Caprice office back and he, that's great. But Erickson X, Erickson Eck is a tough it, that is t- that is hard loss because he is such a big player. He's so tall, and you know he was so great with the screens and all that. But I think they're going to be okay. Um, the Wilds. Uh, it's looking so they're playing right now, um, and um, I'm trying to remember who they're playing. I don't remember the the Wild are playing as we speak. Yeah. Um, there's but there's only counting. This game right now, there's only three more games in the regular season. If if things go the way it's looking like the season's going to finish out, then the Wild are going to face Dallas in the first round. The Blackhawks. 
So, oh, the Blackhawks were playing right now, which probably, I mean, the Blackhawks aren't that great great. this season. So, but 25, 48, and six. The last couple of games that we've, they have been winnable games against bad teams. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, and the go, the, the Golden Gophers, uh, Minnesota Golden Gophers lost a heartbreaker in overtime. Oh, my gosh. uh, In the, the, we're up two zero. Yeah. That's the most, I mean, they're up two zero. Um, and, you know, 10 literally 10 seconds into overtime yep the game was over they yep. didn't even you know have a fighting chance they just you know Laid one down. got by it's it's unfortunate i mean you guys even had coop rooting for the water for the minnesota we, team, he, right? he did yeah yeah, yeah. i saw that um but the, i mean it's like i say that they're, they're they're in the frozen four almost every. like eight out of every 10 years Correct. on average so um and the the aaron Rodgers saga continues yep um uh, now there's rumors, of course, floating around that there's another team that's going to try to that's trying to get him. So the Jets might not actually get I, I just I don't even care anymore. No, I just follow him on Instagram to look at his golfing. <laughs> <laughs> and I know he's not I, I know he's not going to be playing for the Packers anymore. So because of that, I really don't care. Right. You know, about I, the Packers I, about Rogers about Rogers. <laughs> <laughs> that's a fair that's a fair question no about rogers i really gotcha. i don't care He's i mean, to get that cleared out i say that. i say go you know do your darkness retreats and your mushrooms and have a nice life <laughs> yeah you know i just don't want the drama anymore dmt baths <laughs> yeah yeah we we don't need the drama anymore yep. and the vikings are you know gonna be the Vikings are going to do have a great another great season this year. They're undefeated so far. They're going to make it to they're going to make it to the playoffs, and they'll they'll make it to the playoffs. They'll make it to the playoffs. <laughs> we'll see. So you're saying there's a you chance. Are, yeah, there's a chance. There's a chance. Uh, so I think it's definitely time, guys, uh, to start paying attention because because we have some awesome special guests on the show really? tonight. Yes. We do. Um, so let's uh, let's bring on our special guests. And as always, special guests on How About That Cigar Live are brought to us by our friends at Drew Estate. And the all-new Acid Cigars Cuba Variety 3-Packs are specially designed to both broaden the palate of acid cigar enthusiasts and expand awareness of the Drew Estate product portfolio. Cuba Variety 3-Packs also present on-the-go consumers with tremendous value. For the price of two Acid Cuba Cuba cigars, purchasers receive three cigars in total with an undercrown shade cigar are included in the pack. These cigars in the Kubariti three packs are all five by fifty four robustos and are presented in resealable fresh packs with boveda humidification pouches to ensure that they remain fresh. Priced at twenty one dollars and ninety cents per pack, the acid Kubariti three packs from Drew Estate are available now. All right, ladies and gentlemen. Without further ado, if you would please. Put your hands together and welcome to episode 199 of How About That Cigar Live from Roma Craft to back, Mr. Skip Martin and Mr. Michael Rosales. Gentlemen, welcome back to the show. It's nice, to, it's nice to know Jonathan Drew is uh, paying for me to be here. <laughs> absolutely. absolutely. And, and Jeff Borsowitz also. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> So uh, it's uh, it's actually nice to say that for the first time this year, it's a beautiful night in Minnesota. Oh we gosh. actually we have the studio door open, which it I mean, literally last week at this time, I think it was still snowing. Yeah, um, we had 30s. just we had just had a blizzard over the weekend. We got 11 inches of snow. Yep. Uh, and now there's pretty I mean, it was 70 degrees today. There's pretty much no 
I mean, there, yeah, there's still snow left on the ground, but just from the massive piles that the trucks leave. Uh, but guys, thank you so much for being back on. We really appreciate it. Always fun to catch up with you guys. Um, and we know that you guys are uh, home in the, well, you're in the States, uh, you know, in, at your HQ. Uh, and I want to start off by, uh, let's start with Mike and ask what you're smoking and drinking along with us this evening. Yeah, so I have one of the uh, the La Campanas. Actually, this is the Cali Megaherf uh, 2014 that we did, basically the uh, witchcraft. And uh, so decided to pull one of these out. And then I have a freshly cracked bottle of uh, Blanton's Gold. So see Very how much nice. I, can, I can get through tonight. <laughs> <laughs> hey, it's good to have goals. Skip, what are you smoking and drinking? I'm, I'm smoking the same thing you guys what you're smoking and then i'm drinking um sponsored by florida con 12 florida con. <laughs> <laughs> i love it so yeah um matt brought out these 2018 crafts yes i did and uh we showed skip what we're going to be smoking and Skip was like, well, fuck you then. <laughs> I'm going deep and uh, we're going to the 2014. So, and that's awesome because. Yeah. So we yeah. released, we released the La Campana in 2013. So we made them in 2012, our second year and our first year, really. And then um, there was the Cal California Megaherf, uh, Louie and uh, Mike uh, had, had, you know, an event out there. And there was a shop called um, Help Me Mike. It wasn't the V Cut. It was uh, this. One. It was um, the, the little shop in yeah Monrovia. Monrovia, yeah. With uh, shouldn't remember. You know, so easily we forget. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it was a cool. It was a cool little shop that we that we had an event at, and um, we uh, it was Jim and no, was it was it Jim the sheriff? Yeah. It was it was Jim and Ken at Lamarca. Ken, Ken Wu Lamarca, yeah, yep. yeah. Had to so, look at notes. Uh, Had to look at notes. There, it helps. There was only a hundred boxes, so we made the original La Campana with Habano, and then we made the 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 witchcraft with Broadleaf. Yeah, and it, and it was it's still crazy good. So wish wish you wish you guys could be enjoying it with us, but uh, <laughs> but the the 2018. Uh, and then we had the 2019 witchcraft, which we did for uh, tobaccology, which was kind yeah. of a, a twist on. I think it had Pennsylvania broadleaf. Was a twist on the 2018 La Campana. Yeah. This year um, we're doing another La Campana. Um, we weren't going to do one, but um, we we made a cigar for the Schusters called the Casa Torres, uh, the 20 year anniversary. We did the Grand Perfecto, and then we did a, a Grand Robusto. And I was smoking one one day, and I and I liked the blend so much. And we had just gotten some new filler from Hamastron from Oscar Valadares, um, which which turned out it's just really really good. So I was like, you know what, we we ought to recreate the this Casa Torres blend in the in the La Campana and do craft to 20, 23 ish. Yeah. Nice, yeah. that's awesome. So yeah. So it's it's uh, we started we started blending samples last month and they're already smoking really good. So 
Very cool. Yeah, I've, I love that uh, that Casa Torres. I I only smoked the because I bought some boxes of the 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 original, the Grand uh, Grand Perfecto, um, <laughs> and loved that cigar. I mean, really, really nice, really nice blend. Well, you know, it, it's so unique, right? Like, it's not it's not um, like in our portfolio. Like even even for the majority of what we do, it's kind of you know uh, just a little bit shade of, of of medium full. Yeah. Even even our Connecticut, right? Right. Um, but that one is is it still has tons of flavor without necessarily having the the kind of the body, but it's really complex. So yeah, absolutely. Well, I bet Matt is a little FOMO ish right now. Yeah, a little bit, a little, little bit. bit. I'm gonna I'm All gonna right. get fired up here. Get fired up. Yeah. When lighting your cigar, it is important to be patient. Pay close attention to detail and focus on the tobacco in the same way Steve Saka brings those same qualities to the ultra-premium cigars of Dumbarton Tobacco and Trust. Patience, close attention, and focus on the tobacco are the qualities that Saka and Dumbarton Tobacco and Trust have become known for. From Sober Mesa to Umbagog, Dunbarton has a blend that will fit your palate, your mood, and any occasion. Visit DunbartonCigars.com to learn more. Yeah, it's going to be a while for this one. Yeah, it's you just keep talking because this one, this it's a it's a big foot on this cigar. And and if anybody who knows me knows, I take a long time. He should have just a, a liner of. Yeah, I should have lighters lined up uh, yeah. <laughs> or a, a map gas lighter. <laughs> I, do, I have one actually right sitting right over there. Oh, yeah, you do. But I, I use that for my smoker, my my meat smoker. I don't want to. Well, it's good to see you back in the studio. I, I know you've been out on the road. Oh yeah, I was on the road uh, a little bit. I was in studio last week, and but yeah, when when I'm on the road, it uh, sometimes I'll come in remotely, and sometimes I'm off. It just depends. Yeah. Um, I think I'm ready. So Skip, <laughs> when uh, and Mike, when you guys are at home, um, do you do you miss Nicaragua? You know, it's one of these things where, you know, you'll be in Nicaragua and you're like, oh, man, this is so great. And then, you you know, I go up to SLE and then I'm taking my daughter to school. And then one day you like you see some guy pissing in the street and it's just like you know, or you have some shitty service interaction, like, you know, pure Nicaraguan service interaction. And you're like, I got to get the fuck out of here. <laughs> and, then, and then you come here and you're like, oh, man, I'm driving my trucks. I'm, you know, I'm eating the barbecue and it's all great. And then one day you're stuck in traffic on Mopac and you're like, I gotta get the fuck out of here. <laughs> so it's, it's nice to have both where, where you can go, you know, the problem is, is like all the little bullshit doesn't, doesn't really like, I'll come back up here and my, you know, my home automation systems got tweaks in it or, you know, my, my battery's dead on my truck or something. And then it's like, you got to deal with all the comeback bullshit. And then, once you get it all kind of fine tuned and running, then it's time to go back. And then, you know, it's, a, you know, it's the, uh, you know, first world problem. First world yeah. problem. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> but, uh, I mean, the food's definitely good. Um, the problem is, is I wake up a little bit late and then I work late. And then, so I, I end up even with all these restaurants, I have like this whole list of restaurants I want to go to while I'm here. And then by the time I get up here, I end up just ordering like, DoorDash or something, so I get a cold hamburger. <laughs> mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But uh, I, I try to get out there. 
I end up buying all these groceries and everything, and then uh, they deliver them to my house. And then half of them before I leave, I give them to Sean because they're because I don't I don't I don't I don't have time to cook, and you know. I don't have the luxury, you know, luxurious lifestyle Mike has, but I do have a more laid back uh, lifestyle. So, you, you know, as far as Nicaragua is concerned, like I, I, you know, it's it's um, when you get there and, you know, and you're either in the factory um, and there's some things that you want to accomplish. And then what ends up happening is, is like once you're in the factory, it's um, there's so much other things that have to be that are going on stateside that I'm, I'm constantly kind of tinkering with or not even tinkering. But it's like the things of, you know, all the accounts here. Um, so it's kind of like going to the golf course, right? When you go out to play, you think you're really going to you know, go out there and kind of enjoy yourself. But then you end up working while you're trying to play golf. And so then it's not as fun because you're really not focused. You're mind somewhere else. And then the other thing is, is. You know, once you go to the box factory and you're there for you know a couple minutes, um, like <laughs> you're kind of done. You know, yeah. I really, I really don't want to you know go to another tobacco field. Like once you've seen one, you've seen a, you know a dozen. Um, you know, so it, it's I do enjoy it, right? I mean, I enjoy you know when you get down there, it's um, you know it's kind of like a little mini IPCPR or PCA. It's like there's a lot of people that are you know in the industry, and so you get a chance to kind of catch up with them and see them. And so there's a there's a social aspect that I really really enjoy. Um, and then there's, there's a, but it seems like, it feels like there's a lot of downtime for me because, you know, it's kind of like when you go away and you're not really working on anything, but it's not, it's not, it's not my, um, you know, I, I can only kind of work on a blend for so long and then we kind of go to do something else. And so, so yes and no, I do enjoy it. I enjoy getting there, but you know, it's kind of like Vegas. It's like after two or three days, it's like, okay, I can mm -hmm. get back to the States and do what I got to do. Yep. Now mm -hmm. outside of like, uh, Pearl Sabor, would you guys ever consider, have you ever talked about the possibility of doing like, like, uh, Nika Sueno factory tours or something like that? Well, I mean, we have people come down all the time. Um, yeah, but I mean more like published or like advertised kind of thing. I mean, my advice to people generally is don't do a sponsored trip. I mean, if I would say do a sponsored trip, do the Perdomo trip, do the Drew Estate trip, Cigar Safari, do the, Camacho thing, but but that's like uh that's like a, it's like when you go to uh, some place and it's all pre-packaged, and you're yeah. walking through and you're seeing the things that they want you to see and you're doing the things they want you to do and it's basically like a three day long commercial right, um but it's good especially kind of like to tip your toe in the water and and for a trip. I mean, if you're a serious cigar smoker, you should definitely take one or more of those trips. Um, where the situation you guys are in, the, the best thing to do is to get down there, not during Puro Sabor, but during some other time, and just, you know, free, what do they call it? Uh, freestyle it, you know, yeah. like yeah. where you can do what you want to do when you want to do it. So, you know, you can actually see how the workers live. You can You can go eat. Uh, dinner with some people from the factory. You can go uh, to to different parts of the factory that you wouldn't normally see on an organized tour. Um, you know, we, we do a thing called tobacco school where we kind of teach you about individual materials. And then you kind of, once you learn about the individual materials, you kind of put your own blend together. You can go on the Drew Estate tour. You have that half day over at Hoya where they have a much better laid out kind of commercial process 
Yeah. But but it's kind of like, you know, like bowling. I always say it's like bowling with the uh, with the, the, bu the bumpers in the gutters. Right. It's right. like they're not going to let you. They're they're showing you the best tobacco They're You know, you're just going to kind of put something together intellectually and then they're going to make a few cigars for you. Um, but you don't really get to know the tobaccos. So, yeah, um, you know, the way we do it, you know, we have a couple of visitors, you know, a month, two or three visitors a month where they come in, they spend two or three days um, and mainly they spend most of their days smoking tobacco and then we make cigars for them. I mean, one of the people that did that was Tyler Jeffrey. Um, he came down, he comes down a lot. I mean, he's been down four or five times and every time we, we, we work him through different fillers, different uh, binders, different wrappers. And then um, he wanted to make a cigar cause he hit his, his kind of handle on Instagram is V so horny. Which I which I really love. It's one of my I favorite love it things. So much, absolutely, it is. <laughs> so, um, so, so he wanted to make a cigar that was all viso, and I'm like, well, I've never even thought about that. But let's use visos. Let's use Nicaragua visos. That let's go find new tobaccos. So we went, we went and tried this uh, Sebaco tobacco and um, some other tobaccos, and actually, it's really really good. I've been, I've been smoking a lot of them because. Um, we use, we ended up using a Pennsylvania broadleaf wrapper on it, um, and you know it's just really good. So it's one of those things where I'm not going to let him make a cigar that's not good. I mean, originally he made it in a six by sixty, and it, it wasn't really very good at all. But then um, because the two life crew was you know two life crew, I said, well, you should make a four five two. So oh, yeah, and then and so so in so in. Uh, it's really, really good. And so he's going to, you know, he's yeah. going to get 12, 1200, 1500 cigars out of that. We only had about seven, 70 pounds of the, of the, one of the visos that he chose, but, but that's kind of a more, that's like kind of a level two, level three trip where you've seen the same thing multiple times at multiple factories. Now you're actually getting down into the nitty gritty and um, you get to make something and you can say, I really did blend this meaning I, I tasted 25 or 30 tobaccos and I narrowed it down to the ones that I wanted to work with. And then we made some samples. We waited six months. We, we made some tweaks. And um, when it, you know, I think Tyler has been working on that blend for, from the time he started the process, it's maybe three years, two and a half years. So that's a real cigar that he blended as opposed to, as opposed to, hey, let me throw some tobaccos together and, you know, now I'm a master blender, right? <laughs> so, um, you know, it, it's a, that's the kind of experience, I think. It's kind of a different thing. Yeah, It's different. It's kind of the difference between going on one of these guided tours uh, as opposed to kind of going, being immersed into to, to the culture, you know, uh, go, well, going, going out to the bar at night, meet, meeting a girl, wh whatever your deal is, right? It, it's it's like you're more immersed into like what it would be like to live in SLE for, you know, some amount of time. So I, I know that um, you're big on education, Skip, and and um, it's, I mean, I'll, I don't know how many people I've talked to that have, um, that you know have have mentioned you as a person that they have have gone to for a lot of things. Uh, we have somebody in our comments who I've been watching their live Instagrams and Facebook for quite some time. And there's a word that this person uses 
um, that has, you know, it's just kind of been like, I don't know if that's right. And, uh, but he, he says it almost every, every live video and the word he says is robusto. Can you just confirm first? Cause we, we kind of had a back and forth today a little bit. <laughs> What is the proper pronunciation of R O B U S T O? I think it's robusto. Okay. But but I'm not a native Spanish speaker. Mike speaks more Spanish than I do. Mike? Well, it depends. Like let's say let's say for oh. example, you said uh your name's Alejandro, right? But you're speaking English with an English dialect, right? Would you Immediately, hey, this is my friend Alejandro. You know what I mean? Like, would you change? <laughs> that's, a, that's a really, that's a really good point. Like Alex Trebek, yeah. used to always do yeah. on Jeopardy. I, yeah, you know, I mean, so, so, I mean, I guess it just depends on, you know. So if you're if you're speaking in in English, right? I mean, I don't understand why uh, robusto or robusto, you know, would you know? It's like, like, what are you looking for? You know? Well, like we say Neanderthal, but. The, the real pronunciation is Neanderthal. Right. Yeah. But that just sounds stupid. So we say, <laughs> we say Neanderthal. <laughs> yeah. So I've just never heard somebody who's uh, in the industry for as long as, as uh, the, the kingpin in Detroit has been doing it say Robusto. Well, that's one, one of my favorite things about listening to, to Dave Garofalo all these years is he says oh, robusto he does too that's right yeah dave Gar yeah he always says robusto and i i just love it it's it's endearing to me it's you know i, I mean, don't i don't i say robusto but when i hear when i hear most people say robusto honestly i find it kind of endearing it, yeah. it just kind of works even though i i say it differently i don't really care and i don't care either i i just look i mean when you're not when you're an iconoclast like ronnie Oh, you yeah. can say things however you want. Absolutely, no doubt <laughs> That's about right. it. But I look for ways to bust his balls. So right. you can say Buenos Tacos and nobody gives a shit. That's right. Well, actually, before we get off Ronnie, Ronnie is yeah. a good dude. He actually sends oh. me a picture of his daughter oh, wearing right? a Romacraft onesie. Um, and I actually got one today. So uh, Yeah, let's see it. Ronnie's a, to, uh, but Ronnie's a thirst trap. <laughs> no, he's married now. He's uh, he's off. No, he's I'm off saying the he himself is a thirst trap. Yeah, look at that. I that's, love that's, that's that's a total thirst trap. Oh, yeah, that's, that's clickbait. <laughs> it is. But I mean, that little girl, Gray, is ridiculous. She is well, adorable. When I was in. Um, when I was in the corporate world and we'd have to do like a PowerPoint presentation before, uh, you know, before a bunch of executives or whatever, you know, they're going to throw shit at you. One of the tricks was you'd always have your desktop saver as a picture of your family or like a cute, cute picture of your kid. Mm -hmm. So you like humanize yourself before you start the, the thing. So I think, you know, part of this whole, um, uh, toddler thing is, is Ronnie, uh, massaging his his image oh yeah <laughs> absolutely hey work yeah. it i mean i i've done the same thing with fiorella so i'm not throwing stones i'm just saying yeah no and it and it works uh <laughs> bonnie is his hustle game you can't dispute well what was the what who did the the hip-hop song work with what you got 
food. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Work with what you got. You know, that's nothing wrong with that. Absolutely not. <laughs> I love it. There's I love no it. No hate here. All love. Well, guys, one of the things I wanted to kind of uh, get some updates on and 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 find out kind of where things are at in the process. I know there are some projects that are that are starting to hit stores. Some stuff that's um, uh, on the way, that kind of thing. Um, but you guys, you're always uh, in, in addition to making sure the core lines that you guys put out are consistent and, uh, you know, taste the same today as they did, you know, five and 10 years ago, you're also always working on cool new stuff. Uh, and the first one I want to check in on is the, the project with, uh, with Ernie Carrillo, uh, the, I'm going to butcher this pronunciation, Quinca Genario. Did I say that correctly? It's uh Ken, like Barbie Ken. Ken. Qua, like the Quan. Oh, okay. Shenario. So okay. Ken Quagario. It's, it's Ken Qua Genario. Ken Qua Genario. Ken Qua Genario. It's like, have you ever heard of a septuagenarian? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So septuagenarian is someone who's in their 70s. Yep. So a Ken Qua Genarian is someone who's in their 50s. 50s. Yeah. So Ken Qua Genario mm -hmm. is 50. Um. So how's this project coming along? Because I know you, you and Ernie have been working on this for quite a while. Yeah, so we started in twenty November 21, I think, so that it was supposed to come out July 22, which was my 50th birthday. Um, but um, so we started on the fillers, then then we found the, the binder, and then, you know, uh, we we figured out the wrapper and then we aged the samples. And then when we finally started production, uh, there was a problem. So we kind of stopped and then we restarted. So, you know, you think about a, a pair of rollers makes 300 cigars a day, whatever, call it 300. If you're going to make 50,000 cigars, um, you know, that's something like, you know, one pair of rollers it, it, they're going to be doing, they're going to be doing 1500, 1500, 2000 cigars a week. You're talking about, you know, four or five months, six months before they can make the full 50,000. So, um, we have cigars that were made, uh, back in September of last year, October of last year. And then, there, uh, then there was, then they kind of finished the production, uh, around February, I think. So I wanted them aged at least four months uh, from the time that they were rolled. So the, the, the February cigars are not going to really be packaged until May or June. Um, so it's really just one of those things. We, you know, the last trip I went down, we were talking about the color sorting and, you know, what's a Segundo, what's a Remplazo. So um, the boxes are going to be there in a couple of weeks and, you know, they're going to take their time packaging them. The double the double label that we do is a little bit different process for them. So that's you know there's like one lady in packaging you can do that. So um, it's kind of coming along, but the actual blending process of it you know took more than a year and um, five or six trips, and uh, it's been you know it's really kind of more than just Ernie and I. It's really uh, his general manager Hi, uh, um, Jorge Mikey. It's um, it's uh, his production manager, Jose Luis. It's, uh, you know, there's been a number of people, uh, uh, 
Leo Reyes has been involved a couple times with with uh, you know how 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 we're going to work specifically things like the binder, and so um, you know just the bunching process was a whole it was a whole trip you know arguing about that. So um, <laughs> you know I, I think if you asked Ernie, he would say I'm I'm a huge pain in the ass. <laughs> um, but really at the end of it, it's kind of like you know respect. Like you know, if I had to, if Ernie had to do that with someone else, and he was as invested in it as I was, I think he would be the same way. And um, you know, my goal with the project from the very beginning was really what, what I said to Ernie from the very beginning. I don't know a lot of people know the background, but I uh, I was asked by a big company to remake a cigar, kind of the way that Pete did uh, Henry Clay with Altidus. Yeah. Uh, I was going to do a similar kind of project with General. Well, first, even before that, I was going to do uh, a Tarano cigar, uh, the Cameroon project that they ended up being Baca because we couldn't really work through it. But um, I was, go- I said, look, I will work on a project like this, but you know, the one I really want to do is El Rico Habano. And then I asked Ernie if I could do it. He said, you know, you're one of the few people I would really kind of, you know endorse doing this kind of thing and i said well that means a lot to me um turned out didn't do it um couldn't get the kind of tobaccos really didn't could the process wasn't going to work the way i wanted it to so um you know my thing is just try to be authentic right i mean anybody can just put their name on something and put it out there and make a few dollars and that wasn't really what i was interested in so um i came back to him around my 50th birthday and i said hey you know now that I know a lot more about tobacco, I think I have the learning curve is compacted, but I really don't really understand a lot about Dominican tobaccos. I've been researching. I've been looking at old cigar aficionados. I've been talking to Esteban and, and, and talking about different regions. But you know, when people, when people from the Dominican come to Nicaragua and buy tobacco, they'll buy Esteli. But what they might be buying is Pueblo Nuevo. They might be buying, Esteli Regadillo, they might be buying, so they might be dying, buying different regions, but that's Esteli, right? And or ASP Esteli, and and you know, but even in Esteli, when you when you talk about blends, you hear you know, Ometepe, Esteli, Condega, Jalapa, you hear the regions, but a lot of times when you buy tobacco in Nicaragua from Dominican, really they just talk about the seeds, and you don't really talk about the regions as much. So I wanted to really understand Dominican tobacco. And um, I mean, this some people could take this the wrong way. But, you know, one of the as a consumer, one of the things you hear is, yeah, Ernie makes great tobaccos in the Dominican and he gets these awards. But it's because he really makes Nicaraguan cigars in the Dominican because he uses a lot of Nicaraguan tobacco. And and, you know, my conversation with with Ernie was. um I want to learn about Dominican tobaccos and I want to make a cigar that's all Dominican. That's as that, that an average consumer couldn't really discern that, you know, it's a Roma craft cigar, even though it contains Dominican tobacco and is made mostly in the Dominican. And, um, you know, a couple of people said, we know that's really not possible. It's completely different tobacco, different profiles. At the end of the day, we made a cigar that is, except for the wrapper, which is Ecuador Sumatra, which I didn't really want to use. Um, we found it's a hybrid that I kind of compromised on, but it really, really works. Um, 
And this cigar is Dominican filler, Dominican binder, and Ecuador wrapper. And I've given it to a number of people, and they've said, this is definitely a Roma cigar, and it doesn't taste, you know, all, Dom- all Dominican. Yeah. So that's kind of what I wanted to accomplish, which was I can go to the Dominican, and if I sit down as a student and I learn from, from people who really know, like Leo, like Mikey, like um, uh, Ernesto, Jose Luis, if I learn from these people who, who, who've grown up around Dominican, Estevan, learn about Dominican tobacco, then I, can, then I can create a blend that we can make in that factory. It turns out that the tobacco was only kind of the beginning. It was how was it, how was it bunched? How, what kind of molds do we use? How long does it stay in the mold? How do you turn, you know, all the different kind of um, where do you put the break? How, how does the, do you, you know, do you use a Lieberman or no? How does the, you know, do you use a base leaf or no base leaf? Those things became more of the, the, the debates. And it was kind of one of these things where it's like, A, I have a result that I really want to focus on. And if we can't get there using your process, we have to use a different process. But at the same time, I wanted to learn those processes mm. to the point where I could say, okay, we can use that process, but we have to do it this way. And so um, it really was a learning experience. I think, you know, they've said to me that, you know, they learned as much as the, as I did. I, I don't think that's true. I, I, I learned more, a lot more about tobacco and uh, I was exposed to different. There's so many things that happen inside of a factory that that make that cigar that factory cigar that most people don't realize and it's the art part of the you know it's kind of the engineering part of making cigars and every every cigar maker and Ernie's definitely you know one of the legendary cigar makers they have their way of doing it and it works for them but it only works with certain kinds of tobaccos and certain kinds of of blends and so that's why they kind of stay into that um, that lane, right? Um, what's interesting is when you start a real collaboration where an, a real collaboration involves kind of this constructive friction where you're saying, okay, this is what I know to be true. This is what I like. Yeah. And, then, and then on the other side, it's like, oh, I want to learn, but I don't want to fuck up this whole thing. Right. Mm-hmm. And so he's like, well, my name's on it, too. I don't want to fuck it up. And at the same time, you're in my factory. So we're going to do things my way. <laughs> so. So, I mean, how do you tell a Hall of Fame cigar maker? Well, you you're fucking this up or. <laughs> you know, and then he's like, well, no, you just you just don't know. You know what? You don't you think, you know, but you don't mm-hmm. know. So there was a lot of that. And at the end of it, what was great is it happened over five or six trips because so there was like. Hey, how are you doing? Hugs and kisses. Then there was like the fussing and fighting. And then there was the kissing and making up. And then I'll see you next time. And then you come the next time and, you, and you've made progress. And then you go, okay, hugs and kisses. And then there's some fussing and fighting. And then <laughs> so, so that's how, you know, when someone say that they did a collaboration, this was a real collabor- collaboration in the sense that um, I came away from it. I even to the extent that uh, Mike had been trying to, to get, uh, Sumatra tobacco for a long time to do a Sumatra project. And, and I just didn't like Sumatra. And so I learned about the 25 different kinds of Sumatra that are, that's grown in Ecuador out there. And then, so when that's when we came back, knowing that we had kind of have this shortage on Ataparaca, this is where we started the Volstead project from the things we learned in with Ernie, 
right? Yeah. So, and in a lot of ways, the, the knowledge that Ernie gave me in this project kind of fed into, okay, this core line project that we're going to make in Nicaragua. So um, I'm proud of, I'm very, very proud of the, I mean, I'm, I have one to smoke next and uh, I, it's unlike almost anything we make, but at the same time, it's like most things we make. So, um, you know, it's 50,000 cigars. They'll be sold the day we put them out. Um, you know, we'll make a little bit of money and then, you know, they'll be gone, but the knowledge there will, st will stay for a long time. Yeah. No, it's, and, and I'm, I'm curious about something because when you say 25 different kinds of Sumatra, my instant, my brain starts going a million miles an hour. Cause I'm like, what, what does he mean by kinds of Sumatra? Is, are we talking different seed varietals, different harvest techniques, different planting techniques, different curing techniques, fermenting to, you know, I'm, I'm just like going crazy for it. So, so kind of break that down when you say 25 different kinds of Sumatra. Well, I mean, it's hyperbole. It's not 25, maybe it's 12 or something, but um, so the short version of it is, first of all, almost all oriental tobacco is called Sumatra. Um, kind of the way most Piloto tobacco in in um, in Cuba is referred to as whatever seed it is, like Habano 2000, Criollo 90, you know, Criollo 98, or all these different uh, hybridized versions of it. But oriental tobacco basically or originated in 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 Indonesia as basuki tobacco, but People didn't really know Indonesia, uh, where it was really popularized for for cigars, mainly uh, machine finished uh, cigars, was the in Sumatra, uh, the island of Sumatra. And so, um, when that seed, that basuki seed, was taken to other places, whether it was Mexico or Indonesia or Ecuador or Cameroon, they they still call it Sumatra. Uh, Cameroon became Cameroon, but it's really basuki seed grown in Cameroon. Right. Um, and, and Sumatra is basuki seed grown in Sumatra. But then when it was brought to Ecuador, they were bringing the original Sumatra seed from, which was the original basuki seed from Sumatra to Ecuador. And it performed really well there. And it was great because it had great yields and it was thin and beautiful, um, shade grown from the, the cloud cover. But it has, it has issues. I mean, I, to me, it has a taste issue. It has, uh, it had other problems. So as different farmers would work it, it naturally uh, started to change genetically based on how the farmer selected the seeds and, 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 and did what they do. And then people started to hybridize it. I mean, I remember reading a story years ago where Casada was, when he made the tri Tributo cigar, tri Tributo yeah. cigar, he, his Sumatra was like, you know, it was like four different varietals in the hybrid of the wrapper. It was like Corojo and, um, um, I mean, you could look it up on the, on Google, but it, it had four, it had different kinds, Habano, HVA, it had different, um, kinds of, of strains hybridized into it. And some of that is lab hybridization where they splice the genes. And some of it is, um, some of it is where they just select, uh, they cross uh, pollinate and, you know, they, they take the, the seeds from, or the pollen, they, they, I'm not a fucking agronomist, but <laughs> they basically make the flower pregnant with the semen from another flower. Yeah. The, the stipple, the pistol, the, 
reproduction. <laughs> you know, I don't know. I don't remember all the the stuff, Birds but and the bees. When a yeah. male plant loves a female plant very much. Very much. Yeah. Yeah. So um they have a special hug. And yeah. So uh, Luciano had made a, a cigar for Crown Heads that had a Sumatra that I was like, wait a second, this is a Sumatra, but I actually really like it. And it turns out it was a hybrid uh, Sumatra of Habano and um, original seed Sumatra. And long story short, I came across a hybrid that uh, a grower uh, processor was was presenting to me that they call Cameroon. It's actually labeled Ecuador Cameroon which is basically just Vasuki seed that was grown in Cameroon where the seeds were moved to Ecuador. So it's basically the same seed as uh, Sumatra, but it's changed genetically a few generations from what came from Sumatra. So yeah, I really like it. I bought a lot of it and that's what we made the Volstead with, but there's tons of hybrids. And the problem is, is when you go to look at it, you can't really tell whether it's one or the other, you really have to smoke it and, um, and just go on faith from what the what the grower and processor are telling you what it is. And it's either right or it's not right. And this wrapper we have for the Volstead, it's very um, it has a lot of modeling and it's not as clean as like, say, Ecuador, Connecticut or other tobaccos that we use like Habano. But um, it tastes really, really good. So and it, we, we got to blend together with San Andreas uh, binder Um a really heavy San Andreas binder, which is the stuff that yields off the Neanderthal. And, um, and we, we, I discovered kind of in the process with Ernie that Esteli doesn't work as well with Sumatra. He uses ASP Esteli, but the Esteli that we use doesn't work as well with it, in my opinion. So we switched over to Condega and, um, we also use a, some Dominican, uh, tobacco from La Canela, uh, what they call Sanctuario, uh, which it's all, you know, it's all fucking bullshit. At the end of the day, <laughs> at the end of the day, it's like, how do I make the recipe work? And then do you like it or not? That's all that matters. Yeah. Put it in your mouth, smoke it. If you like it, <laughs> buy it again, you know? Yeah. Now, uh, Mike, um, as you know, Skip has talked about exposing himself to, to new regions, to new uh, ways to do things. Um you what are you doing while skip is exposing himself to the dominican pre-cum pre <laughs> so you, well what what do i do so um my I'm, i juggle plates so I, mainly I mike says the yes the thing that skip posted on instagram will not be available for six months <laughs> <laughs> that's mainly what he that's mainly what he yeah. spends his day doing so you know i, I think that the uh you know, a, a lot of the things that, um, well, let me go back. Cause I think there's something that, that, that I can add to what he was saying that, that really, um, so do you guys remember the dogfish 120? Mm -hmm. So when the dogfish 120, we were down at Jester King and, you know, they were talking about how this beer had came out and, um, you know, they were going on and on about how, how, um, excellent this beer was and, it was unique and how long that they added the humidity to the thing and it dropped the hops and it did it for 120 and never been done this experimental thing. And, um, so skip and I go out and search for, this is back when you had to go stand in line to get beer. And, um, we come across like a, like a four pack of them down in San Antonio, we bring it back and, um, drink it. And it's just like super hoppy. And at this time we were like deep into stouts when we still kind of are, but I mean, that was kind of the, um, you know, 
but I was completely turned off on this beer. Um, cause it wasn't like these guys had, had like, Oh man, this is so awesome and talked it up. And so a cool thing really happened is like, once you had the beer and then you kind of let it age for four or five years, it turned into this barley wine It completely changed. Right. But I remember going back to, to, uh, Jester King and talking to him about, Hey, this beer you guys had was so good. Like I, I, and I should have known it was really hoppy. I'm not a hoppy guy. So, um, and they kind of explained the process, right? And so to kind of put that into context, whenever Davidoff had came out with the Davidoff Nicaraguan and they brought the, 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 you know, Nicaraguan tobacco over into the Dominican and were able to process it and still come out with a, a very Dominican uh, Davidoff style cigar was brilliant, right? And so yeah. I think a lot of that kind of was kind of, you know, we talked about, you know, it'd be really cool to go over and make a Dominican cigar, but, you know, like a Romacraft style cigar, Nicaraguan full body, you know, and not that no one's done it before it's been done, but, you know, you want people to really kind of line up and go, this is Roma, you know, and I'm saying this. So mm-hmm. that was, um, you know, and kind of going back into like, we could have easily walked in and they could have said, yeah, here, check, you know, pick from any of these blends that we already do and just put your logo and label on it. And right. kind of going back to what Skip was talking about with Tyler, that's not what we are about. Right. So, we wouldn't, we, you know, if someone come to our factory, we wouldn't have them do that. So why would we do that with somebody else? Right. So I just wanted to kind of, kind of plug that in there. I thought, I think that that's a really good analogy for people to kind of understand what, um, you know, why it took so long, because I think, you know, a true collab, you know, putting the work in is, is definitely going to pay off. So, yeah. um, so on top of that, like what I do, I mean, I spend a lot of times doing events, drinking bourbon, smoking cigars, entertaining, um, making sure that, uh, you know, this stays on the tracks. Right. So, um, that's a simplified version, but, well, and I know you were in Chicago recently. Um, I was talking to Eric Bay the other day and, um, had mentioned that you guys got to hang out for, you know, a little while in his house and, um, mm. you know, that's, uh, great dude. Uh, yeah. We like Chicago. that guy a lot. We love Eric. Yeah. So I stopped by and, uh, so in between my, um, I was visiting one of the Bennies and, um, I hit him up. He's like, dude, I'm right around the corner. So I stopped by there and had a cigar with him. And, um, you know, it's fun because you get a chance to listen. I mean, if people, people who know the grind, know the grind, right? Like this is not an easy business. It's not easy to build demand. It's not easy to build a brand. It's not easy. Um, Oh, I wouldn't say. Yeah, I guess you could say I I smoke skip cigars. I smoke a lot of of our cigars, but yeah, they're mostly skips. So, um, so, you know, I, I think that the, um, so there's, I have a lot of compassion and, and really, um, you know, when people, this is what I would tell you. Um, when I started the industry in 2006, I didn't have anybody to really kind of talk to and kind of figure out like what works, what doesn't work, what should I be doing? Um, it wasn't really until Skip and I kind of got together that, um, you know, we kind of put all the things that I was really good at with somebody else that was good at the other things that I wasn't good at mm-hmm. and was able to really build something that was that that we've kind of grown into today. Um, and whenever I I'm getting a chance to to see somebody put the work in that, uh, you know, has their own struggles, you know, it's always kind of nice to kind of reflect on those because you, you remember the journey. Right. And it's not like, you know, it was that far, you know back and so um anytime i get a chance to kind of you know reinforce like hey man just keep grinding you know what i mean like that's that's something that you know think about this and 
watch out for that and don't let them do this. And um, now whether or not people pay attention to it or not, like that's, that's, you know, that's up to them, but at least right. you know, in my experiences um, it's in, it's, it's worked out really well. So that's so the, I'm, you know, one of the beautiful things about this industry is um, you know, no matter what part of the industry that you are in and I've, had uh, my my feet and toes into a few different areas of this industry. It's been amazing. Um, I mean, when Matt and I started, the amount of support that we got from other media people and manufacturers was incredible. And when I get into other things, you know, when reps see other reps on the road, it's not, there's my competition. It's It's a brother and a sisterhood and it's uh, to your to your face, that's the way it is. Well, in their uh, in their private conversations, they're like that fucking Garrett that guy was at that shop again, Garrett. trying to yep. steal my <laughs> trying to steal my shelf space. Right. <laughs> well, you, usually if they're if they're an in house guy, it's it's like that. If they're if they're you know a broker, not all brokers, but the majority of them, you know th- that, that that that's fair game, right? But I would say, yeah. um, at least down here in Texas, anyways, like these guys down here, man, they come in here. You know, we give them some cigars, let them hook up to Wi-Fi, you know, do whatever. And so that that's one of the things that I think that, you know, it, yes, you're, there are levels, right? Yep. If you're if you're in someone's click, um, you're in their click. Right. And that that's kind of the thing that, um, you know, when you're North American and you have a company in Latin America, that's not always the case. Right. Because it's it's like, again, you're kind of imposing in, you know, you're you're encroaching into other people's territory. Right. So know we're very fortunate well most of most of these brokers that have been around a while know they're they're fucking gunslingers you know like this week they're they're gunslinging for dunbarton and next week they're gonna be gunslinging for nick at foundation or two months from now they're gonna be gunslinging for you know whoever right so it's they've learned not to be too too much of a homer and and they're more about you know the kind of the generalized vibe of of what's going on um, you know, look, here's the thing is, and, and I've been a little bit disillusioned in general about the culture because at the end of the day, I mean, I, yesterday or Saturday, I was at a, an event. Uh, my hot rod guy is opening up, up a new cigar shop at like an hour and a half north of here. And there's literally not a cigar culture anywhere in that area. There's nobody, there's not a cigar store within 50 60 miles at least and there and then and there's not any like hardcore cigar guys but there's you know hot rod guys and rancher guys and you know welders and uh people from different trades and different uh areas that that want to sit down and do a bible study over a cigar and it's like at the end of the day it's like well, what should i like and it's like well you like what you like mm-hmm. um you know, as a tobacconist, when when I had a cigar store, my thing wasn't to advocate for a single particular thing. It was to say, what is it that you like? And then figure out from a price perspective, from a strength perspective, body, from a quality perspective, like what what kind of lane can I get you in and then get you connected to the thing that you can enjoy while we're while we're sitting around talking about, you know, uh retro mods or hot rods or or whatever yeah um you, you know one of the guys is a, who's starting the shop as a business consultant and, and the thing is 
if you're going to be teaching people about balance sheets and financial statements and P&Ls and, you know, cogs and, and all the basic things over a cigar, you want those guys to be actually enjoying the cigar. There's nothing I like. There's nothing I that I that dislike more than a guy who takes a 10 or $12 cigar and smokes an inch of it and then leaves it in the ashtray kind of like, like, dude, I, you know, I just didn't like it, you know, and it doesn't matter what I think. If that cigar, if he didn't like it, then then he's never going to really get into the thing that I love about smoking cigars. So, you know, we tend to make cigars that we like to smoke. Um, the whole four hours I was standing there at that table in this little parking lot, uh, the only cigar I sold in four hours was a Java from Rocky Patel. <laughs> because... There was a couple of women who were like, you know, we really want to kind of smoke a cigar, but we don't really know what we want. And I said, you know, I'm not trying to steer you towards the flavored cigars, but if you've never smoked a cigar, smell this. Do you like the way this smells? This is actually a really good flavored cigar and it'll kind of I think you'll enjoy it. So, you know, they weren't offended at all. They lit it up. They came back, and said, oh, my God, where can I get more of those? We we're like. I have no idea. I don't make those, you know, <laughs> but, but if you want, I can go find you a box and I can make sure you, someone can sell it to you. Yeah. So, you know, the, the point is, is that for me, and this is 100% genuine, I would rather you smoke a cigar that someone else makes and enjoy it than buy a cigar that I make and not enjoy it. Because 100%. for me, for, because for me, what I want you to do is to get an appreciation for smoking cigars and being able to participate in the culture of people who smoke cigars cre creates a bigger culture. And there's going to be some people in that group that like our cigars. And there's going to be some people in that group that like other people's cigars. And, you know, at the end of the day is if you have to be honest with yourself about what you really, really like. And, and you can't you can't pretend to like something um, just because it's what um it's what your your kind of crowd is is smoking. Right. And you know, I firmly believe that at some point once you become an once you become to appreciate tobacco, you will really appreciate Nicaraguan cigars. Once you come to appreciate Nicaraguan cigars, you will really appreciate the the consistency and the and the quality of the cigars we make. And if you're just going to smoke one cigar, a Cro-Magnon is going to do it for you or uh, or, or uh, Aquitaine or something we make, we can put in your hands and, and you will like it. And then when you start smoking other cigars, one of two things are going to happen. You're going to say they're either not as consistent, they're not as flavorful because they have a lot of other kind of secos and stuff in it that we don't use, or they're four, five, six dollars more than the cigars we make that are kind of the same lane of quality. And so I feel like we plus we only make so many. I, we're not out there trying to grow to 20, 30, 40 million cigars. My thing is, is once you learn to love cigars, I just assume a certain percentage of those people are going to come to love our cigars. And then and then I encourage those people all the time. I mean, this week, you can ask Mike. I bought five boxes of Tatuahi. I searched all over the country to buy yeah, these. I, I remember seeing those posts from yeah. you. And, and because, because there was a cigar I really liked. Before he goes on, is his video stuck or is it yeah, just... So, oh, yeah. Skip, I was going to say, you, your video. we can hear you just fine, but your video has been frozen for the last, I'd say, 40 seconds or so. 
Yeah, of um, course, it's me with this stupid look on my face. So I don't know. It's beautiful. Um, I don't know how to reset that. But um, here, let me stop my camera, restart it. Well, I'll tell you what. Uh, hold hold that thought and just jump out of the studio and then jump back in. Okay. And we'll we'll talk to Mike for a second while you're doing that. Okay. Um, um, yeah, I, go ahead. And I wanted to bring up um, the opposite is also true for – um, not only the bandwagon to be on certain hot brands, but also those who um, hate or, you know, throw shade on, a, you know, a certain cigar brand. Um, don't follow the crowd uh, one way or the other. Smoke what you like. Try everything. And because um, the, the opposite is true as well for, for the bandwagon people. Well, what's funny is um, about two weeks ago, we had a guy, I think his name was Jason Hawkins, and um, he had he had been going back and forth with the guys over at Riverside. And um, anyways, long story short, he sent a message and was like, hey, man, I, I'm, you know, a, a big fan of this other brand. And, you know, over the last couple of weeks, you guys have answered all my questions. And um, I, I grabbed a couple of whatever. I got a little sampler have gone through it. I really appreciate what you guys have done. And now, you know, he's kind of supporting, um, I think his name is CLE cigar guy on Cleveland cigar guy on Instagram. But anyways, long story short is like, you, you never know, you know what I mean? Like that's, that's, um, you know, I always, I always talk about, you know, there are people who are very, um, purists when it comes to either barbecue and or chili, whether you put, <laughs> you put beans in them or not. And uh, or whether you put, uh, you know, uh, sweet sauce, barbecue sauce on on your on your brisket or whatever. But at the end of the day, it's like there are purists who will tell you, oh, you never eat it that way or you never drink your bourbon with with ice or in a cocktail or whatever. Right. So at the end of the day, as long as you like it and you enjoy it, that's what you should do. If that's yeah. You know, as long as you're part of the culture. And that's what we always talk about. Like, how do you push the culture forward? Yeah, I mean, I would rather have a guy smoking an acid blondie who's a decent human being. Than to have some fucking idiot, you know, um, sorry to say, you know, MAGA QAnon, you know, that just wants to <laughs> fucking, you know, whatever, argue about bullshit the whole time. Um, I only smoke Cubans, bro. <laughs> yeah, it's like, that's cool if you really like that. But, you know, what what have you tried? Like I, I had a guy in a, one of our German cigar groups, he had a burn problem on one of our cigars and he posted it like, look, this cigar's not burning right. And then two other guys said, yeah, I had that same thing, but then I just touched it up and it, and it worked out. And it's like, what? look, it's a, it's a handmade, it's a handmade product with a handmade. And we do as good a job as any, and I can tell you, Mike can tell you, I fuck. I mean, I do everything I can do to keep things consistent and high quality. And, um, at the end of the day that, you know, some, some tobacco burns faster than others. It, it goes down the side a little bit and, and, and you, you post it on the internet, like, like someone stuck their finger up your ass and it's like, well, hold on a second. But then these are the same people <laughs> that <laughs> spend $60 for Cuban cigars. It's like, are you fucking kidding me? I yeah. literally haven't had a Cuban cigar in the, in the last five years that didn't have a problem. Oh yeah. So, but at the same time, it's like, you know, I've been smoking cigars for 30 years. So I, I know how to fix most problems. Um, you can't fix flavor. You can't fix uh, if it won't draw. 
Um, you throw it down, you light another one, and you chalk it up. And then if it happens two or three times, you fucking stop buying that cigar. Like, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. You know, uh, I mean, when I owned a cigar shop, if you brought a cigar to me, it was like, if you're not enjoying it, I don't need to hear anything else. Set it down. Let's go get you another the exact same one. I'm going to cut it for you. I'm going to show you how to light it. I'll smoke one with you. If it still sucks, we'll chalk it up to the game and we'll, you know, give you give your money back or whatever. But, um, you know, it, it is what it is. And, and you know, the. I don't know. I, I love being the fact that I'm that we're in Austin away from all of the cigar world and and I'm in San Juan now. Uh, I see James and Angela at the bus stop. I see. Um, the dissident people at the bus, you know, whatever at the school, I wave to them, but I don't get caught up in the culture anymore because it's become so toxic that it's so competitive. And there's these passionate people that really don't know shit about tobacco or the business that are, that are struggling. And then there's people that are doing really good. that just want to suck more out of it that, 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 that bastardize it. And, and, you know, then there's the people who do nothing but post about how great they are. And it's like, <laughs> You know, meanwhile, Mike can tell you this has been a very tough year for us. I mean, for us, um, you know, we bought Esteban out, wh which was a big change for us. Um, it was the right move. But at the end of the day, it created a lot more work for me. And at the same time, we transitioned from buying ready to use tobacco from really the best processors to processing our own tobacco. And with our standards, what that meant was, is we just fucked up a lot of tobacco and, and, you know, I know at the end of the process, what is good. It's like, it's like you go from buying uh pre-made br br briskets from Franklin's to make chopped, <laughs> chopped beef sandwiches to yeah. now you're having to smoke your own briskets and you're like, Holy fuck, this is not right. <laughs> and then you just throw away a lot of fucking meat. Right. Yeah. And there's a lot of people out there, a, that never been near a smoker <laughs> And and B, there's people out there like, okay, well, I can't just waste all this. Let's put it, let's put a fucking put it in a coffin and and call it some limited edition, and and some sucker will buy it for twelve dollars. Keep it moving. And then, and then like the emperor has no clothes, they'll pretend like it's good, right? Yeah. So, um, I mean, you know, to give you an example, our cost of our cost of making cigars has gone up about forty percent because we we we. You know, I don't know how to say it. We've we've fucked up stuff. We've thrown stuff away. We've we've um, learned from our mistakes. And um, you know, at the end of the day, every single cigar that goes in a box and gets shipped to Austin is as good or better than it ever was. But um, it's been a t it's been a tough year. Well, so, I think you know the cool thing about that <clears throat> over the course of the of our of of how long we've been in this industry, when it's not right. We don't ship it, right? And I think that people know, like when we've had, you know, Cro-Magnon issues back in 2018, and when we did the Neanderthal and had some issues with with Mexican San Andreas, whenever um, Gustavo had troubles with, you know, getting stuff, you know, people who were growing it to to do it correctly when they were putting in pilones, we didn't make it. And so I think the like we we bought we have this credibility with with the consumers that follow our brand that know that. That if it's not right, we won't ship it, you know. So we'd rather chalk it up, charge to the game, keep it moving, than yeah. than to try to put out a, an inferior product and then try to you know pawn it off on you, right? And so whenever you do see the social media stuff where people 
and it's usually over humidity. Let's be honest. If if people, it, you know, if humidity is is the evil of all doers, right? When it comes to cigars, so if it's over humid, you know, over humidified or under humidified, you know, you can get you know tunneling. You can get you know um, all kinds of wonky things happening to your cigars. And so, at but at, how do you tell that to a consumer, right? Yeah. So mm-hmm. um, to say, well, the, know, the way the way you tell it is you have good retail partners. And the fact is, is that the quality of retail partners has gone down. Um, you know, we we at some point at one point were able to maintain about 200, 275, 300 really, really good retail partners. But I would say now. Maybe there's 120 really good retail partners, meaning people that that do it the way we would do it and that stand behind the product and keep stuff in stock and. To, and stand behind their product and take accountability for the things that they control. And, and, you know, they, they take care of the repeat customer. It's just gotten smaller and people have gotten lazier. I mean, COVID, you know, COVID was good for the cigar industry in the sense that the demand went up, but it actually was bad for the industry in, in, in the supply side because the demand created, uh, you had all these rollers and bunchers and, and tobacco people going to the United States. So you started putting in taxi drivers and, you know, little sisters. And I mean, there's factories that have people that, that have 12, 14, 15 year old employees. It's yeah. crazy. And then you have, so, so they're not, they're not doing the work, the same quality as the guy who did it for 15 years. So you have a choice. You can take this guy you used to pay, you know, you know, $250, $300 a month. Now you're, now you're paying them $550, $600 a month. Cause that's just what they should be making thousand dollars a month. But, but that being, you know what it is because you're a cheap motherfucker. You're like, okay, well there's some other guy over here who will work for, for 300. And so you put them in and you get permission, you know, to have a 13 year old working for you or 14 year old. And then your cigars are not as good. Yeah. And then, and then what happens is because there's so much demand you, you, you start trying to consume all the other parts of the cow. You're starting to use Coseco and you're starting to use a short filler and, 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 and all this kind of stuff. And then at the same time, you're amping up the bullshit that on the marketing side, like though, this is a super limited, you know, whatever, whatever. And at the end of the day, because you don't have tobacconists that are standing there going, okay, I know what a good cigar is. This is not a good cigar. Uh, they're, they're, they're still selling that. And because, and now they, you know, you used to take a, an average cigar that used to sell for, for, for eight and you'd say, okay, this is kind of not as good. So I'm going to call it six and put it in a bundle. Instead, you call it a limited edition, you sell it for 15. And then these, these guys who are chasing all this stuff all over the place, they go and get those $15 cigars and, as, and they have to pretend like it's good because, you know, God forbid somebody say, you don't know what you're talking about when you say that it's not good. And then, um, you know, you go into one of these groups. I mean, even if you come into our group and you say, you come into our group and you say, Hey, I've been smoking Aquitaine and it just doesn't taste the same to me. People will jump all over you. Yeah. So, so, you know, you go do that in, in another cigar group where the cigars really have gone downhill in terms of quality, um, in terms of the materials, in terms of the labor. And then the demand has gone up. Um, you know, it's the only thing standing in the middle between us and the consumer is a really good retail tobacconist. So you got these guys that, you know, like Mike and Greg at Cigar Hustler and, 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 and the guys at La Cultura and, and the, the, the team at Riverside and, and these little cigar shops that really do good for us. Um, 
some of these cigar shops have just fallen off the wayside. It's like that packaging not, is not fancy enough. Um, it's $10, so I can't make enough money, so I'm not going to sell it. Or I don't have, they don't give me terms, so, so I'm not going to restock it, but I'm going to blame it on them. So then you have these. So, so we've really just cut off probably 50, 60, 70 retailers. Just like, look, dude, you're just not getting it done. We can't let you sell our product because you're not doing your job. And and then and then, of course, if someone who really likes that retailer says either I like Roma, so I'm going to go buy buy it somewhere else or they say, you know, fuck Roma because they don't sell to my guy anymore. Yeah. Right. So um, and this is all happening in a silo when on the other side you have the regulation silo, you have the tax silo, you have the you know, it's 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 very complicated. It's you know, I it would be much easier for us to just fucking make tacos you know? <laughs> or, you know, I can make some really good tacos, um, you know, or go, or go buy a barrel of fucking bourbon that Mike and I like and put our fucking label on it. You know, we could probably do that. But at the end of the day, Mike really enjoys walking into a store and sitting down with a guy and saying, look, we, we only have 200, 250 retailers. If you really want to, if we are, what do you want to accomplish this year as a retailer? You know, last year you did X this year. You want to do what, how are you planning to get there? If you're going to cut out this brand or if you're going to bring in this brand, what is your plan? And, and you know, what kind of customers are you getting and how do we slide into that and become a really good partner for you? Not to sell you the shit that we want to sell, but to make sure that we have the right products at the, in the, in your shop for you to achieve your goals so that we're working together so that we both are successful. That's a lot different model than the model where you go in and say, Hey dude, I'm having a really tough month. Can you buy $6,000 worth of cigars for me? You know, we've got this bullshit. We've got this bullshit slap, whatever we'll sell it, you know? And then for me at, 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 at the, you know, I walk into tobacco processors. I mean, I'm walking into some sweaty, sweaty, <laughs> sweaty fucking you know pre-industry places going look bro <laughs> i need i need a hundred you know quintales of esteli lajero high priming well fermented i will pay 20 to 30 percent more than everyone else but i'm not buying your bullshit seco i'm not buying under fermented tobacco i'm not buying tobacco that was burned in the barn i'm not tobacco buying tobacco that was over fertilized I know what I'm looking for. Show it to me. And instead of paying $9 a pound or $9.50 a pound when it was $4.25 a pound five years ago, I will pay you $12, $13 a pound. But every fucking leaf that comes out of there has to be right. So this pilone looks good. It needs four more months. It was fertilized right. It was cured right. Don't fuck up the fermentation. And I will buy it for this price. But you got to sell it to me. And even half of the time, then they they try to outsmart themselves and, and try yeah. to fuck you. So then you got to go find five other guys. Then you're in the fields trying to co-op people, saying, "Look, dude, I'll pay for your fertilizer. I'll pay for your labor. Take better care of the guys in the farm. I will f do that." But you, but then those guys will sell out from under you to the fucking Cuban guy who pays three dollars less a pound. It makes no sense. Yeah. So, so it, that's what makes it hard. But you know, you constantly. Sorry, I'm on a rant, <laughs> but then, but then, but then, but then at the end of the day, there's nothing like, you know, you've got, I've got 15 ladies that work in the pre-industry now. One of them started with, uh, with us 12 years ago 
she she came back from Scandinavia. Um, and I look at her and I say, hey, what do you think about this tobacco? She's like, man, this is good tobacco. And I said, is it ready? She goes, it's ready. She goes, this is really good. And then your your pre-industry guy you know, who has 20 years of experience says, man, I really love working here because we do it the right way. When I tell you this is not going right, you give me the tools to make it right. We take the time. We, we, we do the things we have to do. The people in the factory, when they're making cigars and they say, you know what, man, it's so much easier making good cigars with good tobacco. You know, so what if we make 15 cents less or 20 cents less? The, the, the part that hurts is on the other side is when, when some guy's smoking some bullshit thing that you know the whole provenance, you know the whole story, the bullshit guy he bought it from, how it was under-fermented, the fucking, what he's paying his people, how the farm people are treated, and, and, and you see him traveling in the back of trucks like fucking cattle, and then you, and then you see him pouring all this money into, into marketing and packaging, and then some guy's going, oh, this is fucking Cigar of the Year, and you're like, you know, whatever. <laughs> and i'm not trying to talk bad about other people because there's a lot of people who do it the right way so but, i was I, I was in the dominican republic and i asked a boutique um brand owner and and i said what is the biggest obstacle a boutique factory has um here and without even blinking he said uh poaching my rollers yeah, but that's but that's that, that. Let me tell you that that does not happen if you are paying your people the way they should be paid okay. and you're taking care of them. It just does not happen because, look, it depends on the kind of people you select. I mean, it's the same if you're if you're coding software, right? Yep. If you're coding software and you're treat and you're treating people the same or less than everyone else, and you're telling them I expect more, and you're and you're not taking care of them, um, then they're going to leave. I mean, look, these people. I mean, look. If first of all, if I was making cigars in Nicaragua, I would have already fucking come to the U.S. I would have been long gone, um, because you know the, the amount of money that you make, and you know. I could go for hours on this, but <laughs> I'll tell you, I'll tell you to you this way. Let me, let me say it like this. Cause this is one of the topics you wanted to talk about cost uh, of. Yeah. Cigars. Yep. When I came to Nicaragua in 2000, when I moved there in 2012, um, $1 was 17 Cordobas, more or less. You can look it up on the internet. It was something I remember uh, $20 was, you know, something like, at some point it was like four or 500 Cordoba. So, you know, but it was at one point like 17.5, 18, something like that. Right mm -hmm. now, a Cordoba is 36 Cordobas to a dollar. So the value, if you were making X Cordobas a month in 2000, whatever, 12. Now, if you're making double the amount that you were making, then you're making the same exact same amount in dollars. Wow. Number one. Number two, a pound of rice used to cost you X dollars. Now it costs you X dollars plus 25% or 30% or 60%. So not only, even if you were getting small incremental, let's say you used to make, you know, uh, uh, let's say you used to make $8 a day, or a bad example. Let's say you used to make 
uh, 70 quarterbas for a hundred. You were making, you know, 280 quarterbas a day. You were making 12, 1500 quarterbas a week, which was at that time, you know, a hundred dollars, $80 a week. You were making $360, um, or a $320. If you, now, even if you're making a hundred quarterbas, if you're making 30% more or, 40% more. You're making 140 quarterbas or 120 quarterbas, 140 quarterbas. You're making double. 140 quarterbas is less than half of what you used to be making. So, mm -hmm. so, so, the, so on top of that, what happened was you used to have to pay taxes like withholding taxes when you, when you were, when you were below 110,000 quarterbas a year, which was about $5,000 a year. So now you're making, you know, three thousand dollars a year, but you're over that threshold of one hundred twenty thousand. So now you're having to take the the company's taking fifteen percent a month out of your paycheck. So there's all these things that have happened. So what you have to actually pay a roller in real money, <coughs> and I'm not even talking about healthcare benefits and education and other stuff that we do on the side. Just what you pay them piecemeal to make cigars is 2x at least if you're doing it the right way for them to buy have the same buying power as a consumer as they used to have um some people just won't do that um some people cut corners on the taxes some people say hey you know this is what it is some people will pay you more but they have these really crazy demands for you like you have to make six seven hundred cigars a day so the at the end of the day if someone comes into work they're respected. There's no sexual harassment, which which unbelievably is still a huge problem. It's close to their house. They don't have to travel an hour before and after work to, to get to work. You pay them a fair wage. When their husband gets sick and has to go to Managua, you help pay for it. When their kids want to go to private school, you help take care of it. When they want to fix the roof on their house, you do it in a way that doesn't make them like a wage slave. Um, when you do these kinds of things... People are comfortable and they're taking care of their family and they know that their that their kids are going to have a better life. And when that happens, um, they don't go looking for work in other places. And there's no such thing as robbing an employee. If you know, I had a, a guy who left and then he they found that there someone in their packaging room was stealing materials. And so they came and they took three of my employees in one day. I had like seven women that worked in packaging. They took three of them. And these are girls that have worked for us for fucking six, seven years. I didn't say, hey, this guy stole our employees. I brought them in the office and I said, you know, wh why is it that you want to leave? They said, well, they pay better, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I'm like, well, that's not really true. Uh, yeah, but but we get paid for the amount of work we do, not for a flat salary. I'm like, okay, good luck. And then the day after, I sat down with everybody and said, what should we be doing? I went and w talked to two or three different factory owners, and I said, why would these three girls want to leave? Is it something we're doing? So then our women went from making X to making almost 2X that next week because I said, okay, give everyone else that's here – this is the way we're going to pay them going forward because this is the right thing. I, you know, I wasn't in control of it before Esteban was, I, I should have been more aware, but we're going to take care of people. Now I've got people lined up for that job. 
right? Those yeah. three girls want to come back. And I'm like, well, you know, if we have space and you're the best candidate, we'll take you. But otherwise, you know, you could have just come and talked to me and said, this is not fair. And I would have done something about it. But I don't view that other factory as stealing our employees. I view it as I fucked up and wasn't paying attention. And uh, they took three really good people. And yeah. it was my fault. And, and I fixed that problem so that they couldn't take any more. Well, one of the strange things that I've seen, you know, going back to early 2020, you know, when lockdown started hitting and, and all this stuff, we've seen so much happening across the world with different things related to pricing. It, you name the, the product or name the, the material, you know, whether it's gasoline, peanut butter, potato chips, eggs, steel, so many things have, yeah, cocaine. I mean, you know, pricing has, pricing has gone up on a lot of things over the last, um, you know, three years. And at the same time, a lot of us in cigar media, people who review cigars have talked to each other in our circles saying we've seen more quality issues from different cigar companies over the last three years than, than maybe, you know, even going back to those of us who were still, who were smoking cigars in the mid to late nineties when the boom started to die out because quality got turned to absolute, there were so many shitty cigars on the market in the late nineties. You know, you, you had a harder time finding a good cigar than, than finding a shitty cigar. And I, I still contend that today it's the opposite. You have a hard time finding a shitty cigar. Um, you, you can do it if you, if you try hard enough, but, but at the same time, even though we've consistently seen quality issues in, in construction and draw and things like that and, and fermentation and all that, I've seen pricing, you go into your local shops and you're seeing brand new uh, cigar brands introducing cigars north of $20. You're seeing uh, brand new cigar brands. Uh, I'm seeing more cigars than ever north of $40 a stick, north of $50, $60 a stick in, in just in these last three years. Well, part of that, that so, with, with the fact that there's, there's, we're seeing more quality issues also than ever before. So, so part of that is if I'm a retailer and I, and I buy a cigar for $10, I can sell it for 20. If I buy a cigar for $4, I can sell it for eight. If a guy walks in a shop and is going to buy one cigar, I'd rather sell him the $20 cigar than the $8 cigar, right? So part of that is retailers will take a chance, at least in the beginning, of, uh, of selling the $20 cigar. And there are retail shops that do not want to bring in cigars that cost less than $10 or $12 because they, they want that, that margin per cigar. And then at the same time, they're discounting like crazy on their websites, which doesn't make any sense, but... They want the $20, $30, $40 cigars. Let me let you in on a little secret. There is no cigar on the planet that costs more than 2 or $3 to make. Period. I took multiple trips to Nicaragua, to Dominican Republic. I bought the hardest to find tobacco I could find. I pay, overpaid in most cases. I paid the top salary for, make, for labor, top salary for packaging. And, and I, I'm telling you, we're still selling the King Quaginario for $15 and still making money, right? 
So, and, and look, if, if I had made that cigar in my factory, it'd probably be closer to $12 or $10, right? But I have to ship the boxes over there. I have to ship other stuff over there. So there are real costs there, but we're still making money. Yeah. If you're, if you're buying a $25 cigar, you're getting fucked. You're getting fleeced. And I've always said you can, you can, shave, you can um, shear a sheep many times That's every year. Of- yeah, but you can only you can only slaughter them once. Yeah, so there are these guys. If look on one hand, if people are buying the King Guajinara for fifteen dollars, and then there are people paying a hundred dollars a cigar on the secondary market, then I'm getting screwed out of fair money, and the retailer is getting screwed out of mo- fair money. But really, the the consumer who's paying that is overpaying, right? Um, but if if someone comes out with a twenty dollars cigar and they get you for it, then shame on you. I still, to this day, walk into shops and pay $15, $20 for Padrones. I know they cost a dollar to make. I know what the retailer pays for it. But I like that cigar. I have the money. I'm not being... Uh, no one's. No one is uh, tricking me. Yeah. Right? <laughs> I'm just like, I don't have time to look around for an alternative. This is what I want right now. I'll pay sixteen dollars. Well, whatever, whatever. You know it's gonna hit. You like it, right? It never changes. I know yeah. it's gonna be consistent. Same cigar right? every time. And I have no problem giving that retailer eight dollars a cigar or whatever. You know, um, it, it is what it is. I'll I'll pay two dollars for a beer at the grocery store. That I'll pay four dollars for at, at a bar. That I'll pay twenty dollars for watching a ball game. It's like, yeah. I want a cold beer at the ball game. I'm paying $20. I know I'm getting fucked a little bit, but at the same time, it's the ball game, right? Yeah. So, but, but, but the point is, costs have gone up. Labor has gone up a lot. Raw material has gone up a lot. Packaging has gone up, not as much, but is, is more expensive. Um, so, there is a limit to what people will pay in the long run for things. But at the end of the day, even if you're paying $20 for a cigar, if I go buy one of Saka's, you know, master blended fucking Muestra de master, whatever, and I pay $25 for it, I'm going to get an hour and a half or an hour of enjoyment out of that. That's a good deal. Right. Um, Should I have paid 25? Am I going to pay 25 again? I don't know, but I had that experience. Right, I just, I just, uh, I just bought five or six boxes of, the, of these tattoos at four, four dollars, four fifty a piece. That's a really good deal. I think that's a great cigar. Yeah. So well, there's there's two things that you have to add to that that I think just so people don't misunderstand what he's saying because he's he's not wrong. You can't put a price on on so so. Let's say for example, you know, um, you know, I, I brought up Davidoff, right? So Davidoff has the the you know their line and portfolio. So if, if some of those those tobaccos they have are 7, 12, 15, 20 years of, of being aged, you can't put a price on on the, the cost of capital to hold it, to have it into a project and then and then releasing. So so that that's the kind of the the one thing that you have to kind of account for as far as you know the retail value, right? And so I think that's a that's a big consideration. Like, how do you put a price on on you know the capital that it takes to acquire this tobacco to hold it and age it and keep it you know available to when that project is released? I think the other thing that you also have to consider is if it's if if you're 
a a a brand manager and you're going to another factory and you're you're having to um have another factory make your cigars there's there's additional costs that are that are kind of tied into that that make the retail price at the at the consumer level uh, inflated and not inflated but you have to there's there's multiple hands in the pie right so i think that those are those are you know to simplify it and say it's only cost you this is that is true there i mean it's not wrong but it, there's also some other factors that you kind of have to consider so we don't you know but to do all the things that we do this is what i would tell this is this is what i preach when i go into retail shops to, to say hey listen our portfolio our core line has been seven to twelve dollars msrp there is nobody doing it at the level that we do at the prices we do it period there's just there's no one and yeah. so that's the that's the disconnect right and i'm asked every day every day of my life how come you guys don't come out with a, a 20 25 super exclusive you know you know fancy packaging and whatever else it's like if, if you're asking me that question you completely don't understand our model and you don't understand what when skip and i got together and we started doing this it's like I want to give you a, a great cigar that you could pair, you could put in front of anybody and have them smoke it and go, that cigar is as good as any $20, $25 cigar. It's, you know, it, it, at the end of the day, it's your taste, right? But subjectively, does it burn? Does it draw? Does it taste, you know, is it well-fermented tobacco? There's nobody doing it at the level that we do it at, period. Yeah. Well, and I'd say the the 20 to $25 price points uh, although I have, they have been increasing lately. That's not been as surprising for me as, like for instance, uh, Mike. You and I hung out at Tobacco Grove, yeah, a really nice shop here in the Twin Cities area. Huge selection, and it's a, it's in an area of town where they have, they have a, they have a very specific kind of clientele. Uh, a Maple lot of their Grove. clients, a lot of their clients are ballers. They're high rollers. They have the, they have the money, and they have no problem whatsoever you know, spending more money for products that they deem worthy. I think that's fine. I'm all for that. But five, six years ago, even, uh, yeah, five, six years ago, there were maybe in if, in their humidor, maybe you would find six, five or six facings that were north of $40. Now there's probably 20 facings in their humidor that are north of $40. A number of those are north of $60 a stick. And that that change specifically the ultra high premium price point in the last 2 years has as honestly I've been very surprised by it. Well let, let me ask you a question. So given the the work we've put into this project with Carrillo, I absolutely could have sold that cigar for $50. Yeah. I could have I could, absolutely could have sold that cigar for $30. And think about $15 to $30, that's an extra $400,000 in profit for me and Mike, right? But what does that cost us? It, if one guy on one forum in some corner of whatever says, you know, it was a good cigar, but I feel like Roma's lost their way. You know, they're trying to, they're trying to get me for this. I would have been like, you know what? That guy's not wrong, you know? For four, for a little cash grab, we gave up twelve years of street cred, and so, look, man, I try to keep the packaging down so that it doesn't justify and so that it doesn't create this cost problem. And we work every single day to be very efficient from as a, from a business perspective. Um, we only have three employees here in Austin, and um, you know, 
whenever whenever we have these problems like we've had with this last year, where we've had a lot of waste um, and and inefficiencies, we we work, we invest the money to do it the right way. But I'm not going to lose. Look, if I stick a cigar in your hand, one thing you can say, I don't like the way this tastes. You can say this particular one didn't burn exactly perfect. But I don't ever want you to be able to say this is overpriced. You fucked me. You know, you you got me with your bullshit. And, you know, like the other day we had a a, I'll give you a perfect example. Um, Sean went to the the place where we get our hats and and stuff made. And he found this flat brim 5950 new era cap. And he wanted to make a one off thing for himself because they had some on the shelf. They had the the rig set up to do the logos. So he had like two or three made for himself just because he wanted a flat brim hat. So that hat cost us 30 something dollars. It retailed that hat just without anything. It retail is like $40 or something. And if you have any kind of, you know, fancy bullshit Supreme or whatever on it, it's 60, $70. So, so we had, we made, we had, everybody was like, Hey, I want this hat. We, we made like 60 of them, 70 of them. Um, they and cost they're, us. They're, they're custom made, right? So they're fitted. They're not just, you know, yeah, small, they're fitted. They're yeah. fitted. And so um, when we went to ship them, we gave like $10 worth of segundos, a, a bottle of wine, fucking, you know, to anyone that ordered them, they got a hundred dollars worth of shit for $60. Right. So, but then we had this fucking numb nuts on Facebook going, oh, you guys are, you know, you're tr- trying to fleece us. You're trying to extort us. You're fucking us. And I'm like, like, literally that got to me because I'm like, first of all, we never have done that. Never. Right. And we sent these people in. Like, if you were actually one of the fucking guys who ordered this, who knew what it was, A, you would know this hat is always $50. And B, you would know that you got $100 worth of shit because we're not just going to charge... We made no money on those hats. We lost money probably on those hats. But it's about the 70 people who really wanted them, so we got it to them. And then, you know, but it but it got to me that people were saying, hey, they're, this is a cash grab. They're trying to get you to, we're going to do free advertising for you, and we're going to pay $60 for the privilege of doing it. And, I'm, and I told Mike, I said, dude, I don't ever want to be accused of that. He goes, don't worry, dude. We over-delivered. There's no way anyone who ordered one of those is going to say that they, they got anything other than a great deal. But... It's the it's it's just these fucking chirpy people on the side, and it's the same fucking people that'll chase down a hundred dollar fucking whatever. whatever in a coffin. And it's like okay, yeah. whatever. I I I'm too I'm too um, sensitive, Emo- emotionally invested, <laughs> right? Well, because I'm a consumer. Like we were talking to the today with the guy from Standard and Twain, right? And we were talking to because I signed up for a subscription. Uh, it happens to have one of our cigars in it this month. I didn't know that, but I signed up for a subscription and I got it because there was some in our, in our humidor back here. And I'm like, dude, I fucking love this experience. I smoked the cigar. I had no idea what it was. I scanned the QR code. It took me to this beautiful page. It told me all about it. Uh, you know, I wanted, but then I couldn't figure out how to buy more of that cigar. So we, we had a, a call with him and I said, Hey dude, this is what I would do. But the whole conversation was about us as consumers. It's like, we love cigars. This is what this is the, the 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 experience you've put together is so great. This is how you actually do it to to give me what I want. <laughs> this is the best cigar in the month club. This standard in Twain. You just got to be able to let me buy the thing once I figure out I love it. 
And he's like, yeah, but that's a little bit extra work. I've put so much work into doing it the right way in the beginning. I'm like, yeah, dude, I get it because that's the way we were. It was more about doing it the way we would want to do it as opposed to making money. I said, but now you, I'm telling you as a consumer, if I want to buy this cigar, you have to give me a way to buy it from you or I'm going to be buying it from, you know, fucking super, super corp, mega corp, Inc., <laughs> you know. And so um, the, the rant there is basically that um, I'm more sensitive to, sensitive to it than probably 90% of our consumers. And really the criticism we get more more often than not is, you don't charge enough for your cigars. So, yeah. and the bands, people hate the bands until, <laughs> yeah. you, until you educate them on how to get the yeah. bands. Off. It's, yeah. It's so easy. It's uh, we've talked yeah. about it on the show. It's so easy. It is. It's yeah. all right. Before we go into anything else, I uh, told somebody we would ask, um, talk about Lake country. Oh, so that, that was, um, dude, that was a monster event. I think they did about 75 boxes up in, uh, so, so Tyler, I'll give Tyler Jeffries a little little shine. Uh, back in the day, that's the shop, one of the shops that he worked at whenever he was up in uh, in that area and kind of laid the foundation. And then Tron has come on, and Josh and Alex and all these other guys have taken it to the next level. And so um, we did about 75 boxes in about three hours. Um, uh, good dudes. Like, I mean, the community up there is like – I mean, it, it's, it's pretty, imp I mean, that's the great thing about the Midwest, right? Is like, you can, there's never a stranger, right? And so everyone mm -hmm. will, um, you know, they just will talk to you and they just want to know, like there's, 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 they're just, they just want to have a good time. And, and there's no, there's no, um, they just want to support, right? Like that's, that was kind of the cool thing about it. it I think that the, uh, um, it's always fun when you have events where when people come and, and they support, you know, and, and, and my kind of running joke was, okay, well, you still got to come into the shop tomorrow and buy cigars. Just because you bought three or four boxes today does not mean that uh, you're off the hook for the next couple of months. Like you got to, the store is kind of dependent on, on you guys coming in um, tomorrow and the next day. And, um, but anyways, no, the guys are, they do a fantastic job. And I think that that's, uh, we're grateful. You know, that's one of the, the things that, you know, again, guys like, you know, Jay Davis and, and Lake Country and, and these like they're still passionate about it. They love cigars. They love talking about cigars. They love talking about, I mean, they're just like us, right? Except we're on this side and they're on the other side. And so um, I think that that's, that, that's, you, you know, you go through all the other stuff, the, 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 the headaches and, and trouble and uh, logistics problems and tobacco issues or whatever. And then at the end of the day, like the, the reward is like when you go into you know, you open up social media and there's, you know, thousands of people that are, that are tagging you in pictures or the people that come out to these events and they support and you're in, and buy your product or, um, and then there's the guys that's like, man, I've had a couple of them, but I'm really not sure. I think I had this or that, but I liked it, but I hadn't really tried anything else. Like what, where should I go from here? And, and you, you get to have that conversation and you get to connect to them at a personal level. Um, and again, it's like, well, what do you like? Right. And, and I'm sure there's something in our portfolio that, that I can either tone it down or I can kind of, you know, everyone's like, oh, Cro-Magnon, Neanderthal. Well, that's if you're on this side, right? But what if you're really, you know, a mild to medium kind of guy? So, you know, let's go over here. And so um, these these kind of shops, the tobacconists, the guys that, that really love and are still energetic about cigars will help you and guide you and navigate you and, and again, push the, the culture forward, right? So, um, so no, it was it, good dudes. Um, that's... Uh, 
it, and it's always fun to get up there. So, oh, and they have they have great carpet. So <laughs> yeah, we we had a um so the guy that works in my hot rods uh my trucks Brant Martin he, him and a, his business partner opening up a park where they're doing like a vocational school and a bar and food trucks and they're gonna have a little cigar store and um he he's been smoking cigars for a while our cigars for a while because I I <laughs> I've spent a, a few dollars on <laughs> a, a, a couple bucks yeah so. <laughs> Um, so we went up to, you know, we set up a tent, a little table with a tablecloth with some cigars. And throughout the course of the like six hours or so, you know, there were a couple of good old boys that came up and, you know, bought a handful of cigars. A couple of them spent a couple hundred dollars. And and, and at the end of the day, we're, we're talking to the guy who's just kind of getting into retail. And I said, there's two customers that came up that were the, the, the two that you really should be keyed in on. One is the guy who's been driving 45 minutes to cigar stores to buy his four boxes a month. That's a guy you want. You want to make sure you carry the cigars he wants and you want to sell to him at a good price so he doesn't have to drive. The, uh, but the most important the customer came up was that 21-year-old kid who came and bought one cigar. He's smoked two or three times. He's really excited. He doesn't have the money to build a hot rod. He doesn't have money to whatever. He turns a wrench you know, in his garage. He, you know, he's just, he, he has a, you know, a $10 an hour, $12 an hour job, but he kept coming back. Did I win the raffle? Did I win the free cigars? You know, tell me more about this. Tell me, he came up to the table like six or seven times. And I think he spent like $12. And I said, that guy is the most important guy that you met today. Yeah. You, yep. you got to find six or seven of those guys and you've got to cultivate and curate their love for what this is and their education. Keep them in the right track. Don't let them become fanboys. Don't let them become, teach them the way, you know, and cultivate their love for this community, for being able to sit in a room and listen to smart guys or wise older guys talk about things while they're smoking cigars. When that guy gets his $45,000, dollars $60,000 a year job, he will remember who you are and what you did for him. And he will, if he clicks into smoking cigars, and his wife doesn't make him stop. <laughs> he will be the guy who will over the over the, his life will will spend fifteen, twenty, thirty thousand dollars with you. You got to find and build fifty of those guys. Yeah. Don't make them super buyer collectors. They shouldn't have ten Tupperdoors full of limited edition bullshit. Just every time they walk in the door, give them two or three really good cigars. That's a that's that's a good value. And that's why Roma is good for you. And Roma is good for that guy, right? And and that's a lesson I think a lot of people could kind of take to heart because it seems like we've forgotten it. People like Tyler, people like Romatron, people like that kid. Um, you know, I've been smoking cigars long. I was that guy. Mm-hmm. At one point, I walked in and bought my first cigar, and millions of dollars later, I'm making cigars, right? But I have, I have bought cigars at thousands of cigar shops and yeah. i still today literally today i spent twelve hundred dollars on cigars and i make cigars yeah so um w- at one point i was that guy who walked up to the table and are you going to get that guy for fifteen dollars and make him feel stupid and tell him you got some special sparkly whatever limited edition or are you going to teach him about the cigars and and, and make him a part of the culture 
Yeah. And and I feel like the only person that can do that is the local tobacconist. And that's why we need really strong local tobacconists. That consumer can never be curated and cultivated through Cigars International. Yeah. He may eventually be at Cigars International because his local tobacconist isn't doing their job. And it's great that CI is there for that guy. But he will never become a cigar smoker like me or like you guys if if some guy doesn't take him under their wing and teach him. Well, you, know, you, you run the risk of them going into some forum or, you know, mm. not, not one to ask the right questions. You know, listen, I mean, we were talking about earlier today. It's like, you know, um, you go through like the Reddit pages, right? Oh, gosh, um, yeah. You know, and, and unfortunately, so I had a conversation with Dave Lafferty the other day. We we're talking about, so kind of going back to, you know, cigars that, that um, have issues. Right. And so um, it's like, Hey, this cigar is shit, yada, yada, yada. And then you scroll down. It's like, well, where did you get it at? I got a cigar page or whatever, you know, whatever. It's like these guys are not authorized retailers for, for the majority of these brands. But yet, you know, and I hate to plug them like that, but it's it's um, it goes back to how do you how do you, you know, because our, our policy has always been like, hey, go back to your retailer where you got it at. If they have an issue, I'll I'll credit them like you take it up to the retailer and then let them kind of guide you. Right. Because I don't know. When you bought it, I don't want them double dipping. I don't want them to, you know, call us and, you know, we ship them and then they call the retailer and the retailer gets, you know, they have to refund them. And then they, they, not that that happens a lot, but you got to double check. Right. Yeah. So um, anyways, and so, um, you know, he was telling me that, that, you know, they, they have now a, cause I guess they used to handle it direct. Like if you had a problem that they would, they would kind of work it out with the retailer. And then it's like, ex except for this, person if you bought it from this person and this website then you know take it up with them you know and so um that that's kind of the, the the point of all that is to say um you know people go to places like where where they want to seek advice and and if you know if you walk into a shop and it's like oh hey let me know if you need some help and then they go into the humidor and they walk around for 30 minutes until you know and then they they just happen to pick something up it it, it, you know, the service the experience, all those other things, like at the end of the day, make or break somebody's experience and whether or not they continue in, into this culture. Right. And we're always talking about how do you push the culture forward? And so cultivating those guys is really important. Well, and part of that ecosystem is this show, right? I mean, I hope, I hope there's three of those, four of those, five of those guys listening to this and saying, this guy's fucking preaching the gospel. Like I should, you know, I've been listening to the wrong people. And, and what I'll tell you is, um, you know, message me. I, anybody out there can tell you, if you message me, I will respond to you. Mm -hmm. and, and if you ask me a question, I'll give you my honest opinion. You know, hey, I saw this box of blackbirds at this shop. And, and you know, what do you think about that cigar? It's like, look, dude, that's a good dude. He's working with good people. It may or may not be for you. Buy one. It's a $7 investment. If it's good and you like it and you feel like it was a fair thing, buy more from that guy yeah. and then, and then spread out a little bit and try his other stuff. And, and, and that's the only way you're going to learn. Um, if you ask me about Mark, what, you know, Cavalier, I would say the same thing. I would say, those are good guys working with good people. They're trying to do great work. They're doing great work in a lot of cases. Pick up the cigar, 
that you that you think appeals to you that your tobacconist recommends smoke it if you like it buy more and support those guys and so um you know buy buy a wide variety as soon as it starts not being good stop you know try something else yeah uh, you don't owe any loyalty to Drew Estate or to um Partagas or whatever just because that's your brand um stuff ebbs and flows and and you know eventually as long as every time you walk in you buy five or ten you know these people that that have thousands and thousands of cigars and tupperdors i feel like those people eventually are going to be over the ledge and they're going to be out of the out of the they're going to get disen, disenfranchised or dis uh disillusioned with cigars because they they're they're chasing the wrong thing i agree even I bought, I can tell you, Mike can tell you, I'm a super consumer. I probably, I probably used to spend two, three thousand dollars a month, and almost never did I buy boxes of cigars. At, at at the peak of the peak of the peak, before I had a cigar store, I maybe had five or ten boxes of cigars stored because they were special. But I had a hundred count humidor. I smoked them as fast as I bought them, and I smoked a. You know, maybe every now and then I'd buy a box of Ashton VSGs at an event or because you know, I hadn't seen them in a few months or whatever, but rarely ever fucking packed away bunches of cigars. And, you know, that's to me, that's a, my advice to people. Don't get too over your skis yeah. on, 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 on spending too much. And if you're putting on a credit card and you're paying interest on it, then you're doing it the wrong way. Mm -hmm. You know, if you're going to enjoy three cigars this week, buy five cigars this week. So you yeah. have one to share and one extra just in case. If you're going to do, you know, whatever, buy it. Talk to your retailer and say, "Can I get a box discount if I buy 25 different cigars?" Yeah. Instead of one box, and you know, don't. There is no points for being a great collector. If that's yeah. what you like, you like it. But at the end of the day, cigars they age out. Um, well, so, and so I, that's a great point, Skip. I would hope that any. Honestly, I would hope that any retailer, brick and mortar retailer, would say yes to that. If a if a if a consumer goes in and says, say, if I just grab a an empty cedar tray and pick out twenty five, uh, uh, build my own twenty five cigar, you know, right, kind of right. sampler, yep. can I still get the box price? I, I would, uh, if I was a retailer, I would say yes to that. If I owned a brick and mortar shop, I would one hundred percent say yes to that. Yeah, and if I'm buying 25 a week from you, give me 20%. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, you know, you're making 100% margin. Give me a little bit of that back. I'll be a regular customer. Just treat me right. I don't, you know, these retailers that don't restock things, that go for the 100-box deal because it's buy five, get seven, whatever, that's, that push bullshit on you, those guys, those guys, if you if you then get disillusioned with that and you start buying from CI and start buying from online, then they're like, well, cigar page is selling them for whatever. I'm like, the guy would have never went to look at cigar page. If you'd have done your fucking job. No, I don't, I don't agree with that. I don't agree with that at all. And it, let me, cause let me, let me give this back to you. So let, let's say, let's say you're, you're a, a guy and you come in and you say, Hey, I'm, I'm, I'm looking for something. Right. And let's say, I'll pick on Oliva, right? So, uh, man, which I don't is know. which is easy to pick on because it's a great company and they're making good cigars. Correct. 
So for, so for you, a good for a fair price. So yeah. let's say you start at the O and you go to the G and then you find the find the V, right? And that tobacconist says, um, you know, well, you tried this, you tried that, you know, now let's go to 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 the V, right? And and then the Oliva V number four. Fucking awesome. <laughs> so then so then what ends up happening, right? All of a sudden that retailer was had become basically they used that guy to become a taster, right? So they come in, they buy one cigar, they smoke, they're like, nah, I like this one, nah, this one, oh, this is great. And they say, you know, they're going online and then now they start price shopping for best best prices, whatever.com. And and all of a sudden it's like, you know, they onesie twosied you until they found out what they really like, and then they get they, you know. But here's the thing, though. It goes back to communication and education. It's like, hey, man, if you like that cigar, you want to come back and get a box, man, I, I give you a little break, right? And that, that's the – that if they don't know that that's the case, then they don't, they don't know what they don't know. And, and that's what I'm saying. But, but at the same time, that the retailer – Some of the retailers who are on here, tell me if that's true or not. I'd like to know. Well, what, what, I'm, what I'm saying is, Mike, if you're the retailer who's sitting in the lounge or you got some $10 an hour employee who doesn't know shit about anything, managing everything – and, and and you groan when you get up and you fucking give the guys three cigars. It's your fault. If if you are only delivering a, a commodity product for a price, then that guy is going to go look online for a cheaper price. But if you're delivering a service, an experience, a relationship, then over time, look, man, I would only go look for cigars that I was specifically looking for from someone else if they didn't have it in inventory. But I would go into my, you know this, Mike. I would go into Pipe World, at, uh, Kyle at Pipe World, and I would say, Kyle, I want Ashton uh, Age Maduro number 40s. I will buy, you know, th three every time I walk in, if, as long as you have them on the shelf. I'm not going to buy a box. But if you told Justin to go fuck himself because he upset you somehow, then you're going to lose my sale because I'm, I want that cigar. I'm going to go buy it online at Mike's or at, uh, uh, at Famous or wherever I was going to buy it at the time. But if you if you if you kind of just get over your bullshit with this sales rep and 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 bring those cigars in, even if you keep them in the back, every time I come in, I'll buy two or three because I want that cigar. If the retailer chooses not to carry it, then that's their choice. But I'm not gonna finagle over fucking a dollar one way or the other. I'm gonna support you. This is where I come in and sit down and connect to your Wi-Fi and smoke a cigar and bullshit with my friends. Um, but at the same time, if you don't carry the cigars out, I mean, like, all, I can't tell you how many re uh, consumers have called us and said, my retailer stopped carrying Roma. I'm like, well, that's not exactly how that went, but okay. <laughs> um, it's, it's, like, it's like, look, man, if you love your retailer, support your retailer. You need those guys in your town. But if you're looking for our cigars, you can call Jeff at Riverside. You can call Mike at Cigar Hustler. You can call whatever. And, and that 20% of your purchasing comes from somewhere else. Those guys are always going to give you good cigars. And then eventually, if your retailer is not a butthole, they're going to bring our stuff back in and keep it in stock uh, because you're one of their best customers. So, you know, um, I don't know. Maybe you don't like my politics. And, you know, whatever. <laughs> I don't care. Well, you know, it's funny because um – it, so 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 somebody brought up Lake Country, and apparently they they posted a picture of all the cigars they had, and a couple of guys from New York had called and said, "Hey, you know, can we get X Y Z?" And and Matt on the phone, or whoever took on the phone, said, "You know, do you buy cigars from us regularly?" And they were like, "Well, no, never." And 
He's like, well, you know, I need to keep these guys for my for my local guys who support, right? And I and I and I get that. I think that, um, you know, the, the the listen at the end of the day, like we sit up here and we talk about the things that we have. I know retail is hard; it's difficult, and so. Um, but at the end of the day, I think Skip is right in the fact that if it's not available, you don't have it locally. People are going to search it out, and that's that's you know whether it's our cigar or anybody else's, that's you know a consumer is going to consumer, you know. So, yeah. well, there's a reason why Mike manages the retailers instead of me. <laughs> when I get and Skip they, coming to the event, I'm like, you know, oh, hang on, slow down. Like, do you, you know, <laughs> well, yeah. I've I've got a question for Garrett. Ooh, is it time? <gasps> I thought you'd never ask. Are you sure? Yes. All right. It is now time for this week's Numero de los Muertos. And as always, Numero de los Muertos brought to us by our friends at Smoke In. de los muertos episode 199 garrett what do you have for us this week this week i have got on average since they have been taking good notes on this um since 1957 on average seven people a year die from this globally Ooh. Low number. Low numbers are always tricky. Mm. Uh, viewers, as always, if you guys have guesses, leave them in the comments. Uh, Mike and Skip and I are going to try to play 20 questions and decipher this. <laughs> On average, seven people a year die from this. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's like point zero 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 one. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I'll say it this. Could, I'll, it could I'll literally just, be anything. I'll, I'll, <laughs> I'll, give, I'll give some more information. There no, are, you're, you're there are some to. years where zero die okay and there's been uh certain we'll call them events that has taken um i think uh the biggest was a uh, hundred people um at one time and others it's you know in the 40s or maybe it's just a couple okay, i'm gonna give you my big wild ass guess do it tornadoes Ooh, i love it no Poison All ivy. right. Skip Hafke says poison ivy. No, not poison ivy, not rabies. I was going to say either shark attacks or drowning. Not turtles, not shark attacks. Um, would these be considered workplace accidents? It usually is. Does it involve a machine? Um, not in the way you're thinking. Are vehicles involved? Vehicles are not involved. Well, mm, a couple times they have been. Okay. But that's vehicles are not a direct correlation. Correct. Okay. Hailstones. Uh, not hailstones. He speaks. <laughs> Three house fires. I know we started this whole thing with, "Hey, hey, brother, you need to talk more." And then, and then, I, and then, Justin's like, well, "I can't get a word in edgewise." <laughs> We're gonna have to end this, Justin, with just a me and you conversation. <laughs> All right. Uh, we'll see how far that goes. Is, is poisoning involved? 
Um, it's interesting you say that. It is a kind of poisoning. Carbon monoxide. Carbon monoxide? No. Mm. Autoerotic carbon monoxide. We were fucking sharing a brain cell right there. <laughs> Holy shit. Uh, nothing to do with power. Well, that's not true either. Um, wow, Jay. I don't even know what to say. <laughs> Jay, holy Jay God. always goes for the scatological, <laughs> scatological. Uh, epidemiology. Let's call it skipological. Uh, no, water intoxication. I did do that. Yeah, one. we did that one on the show once. All right, give us some more hints. Um, you said this was the U.S. Global. Global. Um, All right, so. Power is involved. They're typically workplace accidents. Yes. Sometimes vehicles are involved. Yes. It's not poisoning. It is it, a it, kind. It of is poisoning. a kind of poisoning. Yes. Is it? Is this Anthony oh, we gotta... for the win? Well, I'm a it's nuclear like... engineer. Come on, I, I should. That's why. That's why I did it. Nuclear uh, radio, radiological poisoning. Yeah. Ding 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 ding. Is you're saying seven? you're saying seven globally yeah. on average on average per year seven per year. But there have mm -hmm. been events. There have been events where you know hundreds of people, like Chernobyl. Um, that was yeah. So they they count about a hundred people died from direct causation of that. Um, the one in 1957 is well. Really you don't really weird. die from you don't really die from uh, radiation. Right. You die from cancer. You die right. from, right. Yep, exactly. So it is a poisoning that causes other things, <laughs> you know, cancers and, and uh, uh, other things. But I was reading some of these events and um, like one was on a nuclear submarine. That's why sometimes um, it happens where uh, they were repositioning a piston and didn't um Put the cover on. Skip, Skip would know about you this. Mean, you mean a control rod? A control rod. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> a piston. And, um, uh, and it leaked, and uh, and it and it killed all the engineers in the area within. So this was literally my job in the Navy. Was okay. Radcon was I was an ELT, so Rad radiological controls was one of my main jobs. Um, and how dangerous is that? I mean. I mean, it can be really dangerous, but uh, you, you kind of eliminate all the uh, the factors. the the most The most death from radiation comes from uh, ambient radiation, like uh, radon, or there's almost no um, alpha or gamma radiation deaths anymore because right. it's well understood. Or, Correct. But but there's a lot of natural radiation deaths. Yes. And, and generally, it's um, attributed to stupidity yep. <laughs> most, like, most of the time. Like most things. Well, and <laughs> yeah. experimentation, um, a lot of lab, you know, experiments gone wrong. Oh, yeah. I'll, I'll give you, I'll give you an example. Yeah. And this would, I would, I'd be interested to know if you know this number. So we use, um, we use a, a poison to fumigate tobacco. And um, we have to keep these pills in case someone gets accidentally exposed. Oh, wow. And one of the things in the training they talk about is how people commit suicide with this poison intentionally. 
and how some people try to get high from this poison. Cyanide? No, it's uh, aluminum nitrate. It's it's um, I don't know okay. exactly, but it's not radiological. But the, you know, the, we had a guy when I was in prototype in South Carolina in Charleston. We had a guy who took a so when you have a a Geiger counter uh, to that that probes for radiation that give you the levels. You have a thing called a sample, which is like a little disc that has a, a, a very specific amount of radiation on it. So you use it to calibrate the Geiger counter. Mm -hmm. And there were guys who would swallow that or put it in their pocket because they thought it was cool. And then, you know, uh, there was one guy when I was in prototype who had put who had put a sample in his front pocket on accident. And then his wife had gone to the doctor and she set off uh, something. And her oh. vagina was... It was uh, getting into his junk? Her vagina was radiological because his the sample had radiated his junk and then he radiated his wife. Or, or maybe it was her vagina or maybe it was her other uh, orifice. But um, there was a whole investigation because this guy had taken a, a sample. Her pee uh, was literally the bomb. Yeah. There was a whole investigation. Says. A there whole, was a whole investigation. A whole investigation. Oh, so oh they use the same God. swab to uh, to calibrate her. <laughs> I don't know. It's no joke. It's no joke. Reminds me of Eddie Murphy's bit. Is you mean it? Uh, it burns when you urinate. No, I'm talking like a burst <laughs> of flame. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh shit! Oh well, that was good. That was good. That was uh, so. That was that was a good week. guess, Anthony. I don't know how yeah, Anthony that got that. Good, that was a fantastic guess. That was this week's numero de los muertos. All right, uh, so we're gonna jump into uh, our new segment uh, called Plot Trist, and that is brought to us by our friends at J.C. Newman Cigar Company, America's oldest family-owned premium cigar maker, creators of the popular Brick House, Perla Del Mar, Diamond Crown, and the American J.C. Newman Cigar Company operates out of their 112-year-old El Relo Cigar Factory in historic Cigar City, Tampa, Florida. For more information on their cigars or visitor experience, please visit jcnewman.com. Uh, those, so, those guys are killing it, by the way. I want to go to that experience, the Relaho experience. Too. Oh, yeah. I, that is that is definitely on my list of places to visit. Yeah. Because but I want to go, like, as a fanboy that nobody knows me, you know? <laughs> yeah. Because I went down there. with the ball cap on. I went down there for the Senate hearing, and they were just starting to do some of the renovations and everything. But that's pretty yeah. amazing. I've heard the whole place is, like spotless and beautiful now i cannot wait to go I there did you hear that they when they were doing the renovation they they i guess they found like a trap door like yeah other the secret kind of room easy kind of thing yeah yeah cool. there was like some secret room yep. where there was a prohibition era speakeasy basically <laughs> behind this wall that they had no idea was even there that was very cool i cannot wait to see that place um so we used to do the lightning round questions uh but now we have this new thing called plot trist and basically we're going to give you three keywords, and based on these three clue words, you're going to guess the name of this movie. So, okay. movie number one, the clue words are Butch, Gourmet, Pulp Fiction. Cool. Yes. 
Love right. It. Not even a pause. Yes. It is Pulp Fiction. Butch, uh, the boxer played by Bruce Willis. And uh, what was the second clue word? Gourmet. Gourmet. The, that, this is some serious gourmet shit. Yeah. That's, <laughs> and then cool was uh, Honey Bunny. Yeah. And uh, what was the guy's name? Tim Roth played the character. Yeah. I don't even remember his name. Uh, but he's like, what is Fonzie like? Yeah. Cool. Cool. Yeah. Dude, that was pretty impressive. That, that was, was right out, right away. And I try to I try to not pick the obvious clue words for these movies. Uh, so let's go to movie number two. The clue words for movie number two are Toes, Twinkie, Plaza. Mm. Die Hard. Yes, it is Die Hard. Again, starring Bruce Willis. So Toes... The guy on the plane says, "When you get, uh, when if you're anxious about flying, when you get to your hotel room, take off your shoes and your socks and make fists with your toes on the carpet." And then the Twinkies was what Al yep. was uh, buying at the at the Seven Eleven. Wow! And then the Plaza was Nakatomi Plaza. So wow, yeah, it's skip for two. <laughs> I watch a lot of movies. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so the clue words for movie number three are. Race breaks France. Uh, Ford versus Ferrari. Yeah, yes. that's what I was going to say. Yeah, Ford versus Ferrari, and that one, I made that one a little easier because it was hard to find like obs- obscure keywords uh, for that one. But yeah, the so the the race obviously was the uh, twenty four hours at Le Mans. Le Mans. Uh, the brakes, they had those uh, special where they could sw- swap out the entire brake assembly in one yep. fell swoop. And then uh, France was obviously where the uh, where the race took place. So that was this week's uh, plot tryst bl- brought to you by J.C. Newman. Uh, so now let's jump into this week's notable smokable brought to us by our friends at Luciano Cigars. Notable cigars, notable passion, notable purpose. Uh, so, guys, you remember this. Each week, we name a cigar that we smoked recently that was notable to us. Now, this could be a cigar that's been on the market for decades that we smoked for the first time in a long time, or it could be a cigar that we smoked for the first time ever that's brand new to the market. Obviously, you're smoking mostly your own stuff from Roma Craft, uh, but if you get a chance to jump outside of your portfolio, I know you guys, both of you guys, smoke a lot of stuff outside of the Roma Craft portfolio. Uh, so, Mike, I'm going to start with you. What was something you smoked recently that really stood out? I'm a, I'm a, the, the Aladino Corojo Reserva. Mm. Yes. Yeah. It's a good, yeah. I like a lot of that Aladino stuff. Most definitely. Uh, Skip, what about you? Um, this week I bought seven boxes of, um, Tatuahe <laughs> Black, uh, the BC Petit Corona. Yeah. Um, the, we have a box we with the 2020 box code that um because they come in this like aluminum fresh pack with the paper on the inside yeah and whatever magic happens in that packaging uh they they are fucking really good right now nice yeah i I, i'm a big fan of the black label um i had a my last box i think was a 2018 box date but um, I, I'm a big fan of that cigar. 
we also have a box of the Illusion um, Ultra, the Op Three. Mm. Yeah, yeah. From, which is, I think it's a dress box from like maybe 2016, or but it's really good too. Nice. I've been uh, smoking. Justin, I've been smoking a lot more smaller cigars. Smaller, yeah. Well, we have. We're kind of getting into finally getting into spring here, but yeah, for us, short cigars in the winter is a must. Uh, for me this week, uh, the Epic La Rubia. Mm. First time I had that one. Good cigar. Oh, is that the Connecticut Shade? Yeah. 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 It was a, a good one the other Saturday morning with coffee. Right on. Yeah. Uh, Garrett, what about you? I had a uh, Southern Draw. Um, um, Desert Rose? Oh, yeah. Um nice mild so, cigar yeah it was and i and i so real quick um my car situation over the last couple months has really <laughs> really sucked um i had some damage to my car when i swerved out of the way and hit a snowbank that wasn't snow it was all ice um they were going to repair it and then they took it apart and decided it was totaled um, and that only took two and a half months for them to decide that. And um, <laughs> last Friday, went out and got, um, you know, bought a car. 20 hours later, the engine blew up. And yeah. Bro. So um, after all of that, uh, you know, and brought it back to the dealership. They gave me a loaner for the weekend until we could figure out another car. Um, I was like, I'm fucking done. I'm just going to smoke something to relax. And, and it was, it helped. Yeah, it helped. Right on. Uh, my notable this week is... I, I really I really felt that, man. I, you I did. Felt the therapy. <laughs> I really felt that story. You closed strong on that. Thank you. With the, with the deep breath. Yeah. The woosa. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, my notable this week was... Now, let me preface this. It wasn't a bad cigar. but So usually we talk about cigars that were notable to us because they were good. Yeah. This is a cigar that I smoked, and I don't. It's rare that I do this, but it it stands out. And again, it's not a bad cigar. I just was hoping for something else, and it's a weird cigar, but I, I'm still going to give them props for taking a chance and doing something outside of the box and doing something different. Um, so I smoked the Vice Versa from Fratello, which is the one that's supposed to where you can cut it and light it from different ends to get different smoking experiences or even cut it in half or yeah. And I, I just, I'm not sure what I, it was just the, the flavors and aromas were, were muted and muddled and I couldn't really land on what I felt like the profile of the cigar was supposed to be. Mm. Uh, it was, again, it burned great. It was fine. It just, I couldn't seem to land on where the profile was supposed to be, I think. So you smoked it from the wrong end. Yeah, that's, that's maybe that's what it was. It <laughs> tasted like a peach, and mine tasted like shit. <laughs> Turn it around. So I, I'll, I, I'll tell you, I'll tell you another one, um, Matt, because you know I'm the guest. So hey, yeah, do it. Um, so you know, Art Garcia had this Las um, Las Segovia. Yeah, yeah, Segovia. Uh, and, yep. Antigua de Las Segovia, and then he got sued by my father and. Whatever, whatever. Well, he um, he uh, had like 30,000, 40,000 cigars that he hadn't been able to sell for like two years through COVID and everything. And he took one of those and he gave it to Jeff Mutet, 
Yep. It's like a Maduro Robusto. Yes. I think I think it's going to be one of the new Fosforo, like a limited Fosforo, and it is really good for nice. for what it is. And it's got two years of age on it. And in the Escaparate, it's really good. So if you if you were kind of looking for some, a little ten pack of something really cool that's different. There's not a lot of them, but uh, when they're gone, they're gone. But I know they're not overpriced, and um, that's maybe something to look at. And Jeff's normal phosphoro line, I've been smoking a lot of those too. So yeah, yeah, that's a good cigar. Well, oh, I had the, um, the coming up, the Davidoff Millennium Lancero that came out this week. That oh my really god, good. that yeah. Millennium Lancero was ridiculous. Stupid. Did you cut? Did you cut it in half, Mike, and smoke it like a Weaselito? <laughs> I, did, I did not. I, spent, yeah. I went full full boat on it. <laughs> All right, so that was this week's Notable Smokables brought to us by Luciano Cigars, improving lives through fine cigars. Visit LucianoCigars.com to learn more. All right, let's talk about some coming attractions that we have on the next few weeks on How About That Cigar Live. And those are brought to us by our friends at A.J. Fernandez. A.J. Fernandez now produces unparalleled premium cigars in Esteli, Nicaragua. The A.J. Fernandez portfolio of cigars provides blend strength and flavor profiles to match the preferences of any premium cigar consumer, whether it's New World, Dios de Gloria, San Latano, Enclave, or Bayas Artes. You are sure to be satisfied with a premium cigar from A.J. Fernandez. Uh, so next week we're going to be off, but the week after that, which is going to be April 24th, we have episode 200 and we have Mr. Nick Perdomo coming on to how about that cigar live? Very excited for that. Uh, and then if you look into May, we have John McTavish and Aaron Loomis from developing pallets coming on the show. Uh, we have Art Garcia from, uh, uh, uh Segovia. Segovia de Esteli. If I'm saying that right, I think so. Uh, and we have we have Laurel Tilly from AJ Fernandez, and we have yeah, lots of cool stuff coming up uh, soon. So, but yeah, big milestone in a couple of weeks on the 24th episode 200. Nick Perdomo, very excited for that. Yes. Um, so, uh, Mike and Skip, guys, thank you so much for being on the show. If you would give our viewers and listeners the best place for them to find out everything about Roma Craft Tobacco. Facebook. From your best, from a, from a guy who knows what he's talking about in your cigar lounge. <laughs> <laughs> no, we, we're on Instagram, Romacraft Tobacco, um, com. If you have questions or uh, want to find a retailer, I'm Chief Hava on Instagram. Mike is Smoke Roma. Very nice. So, oh, speaking of AJ Fernandez, Hector yeah. gave me. He's making a cigar with AJ, which is the oval, the San, kind of similar to the San Latana and that oval. Yep. And that's did, coming out. So I, they, I think maybe want, I'm not supposed they, to. Did they want you to talk about that? Maybe not, but I don't care. <laughs> Loose lips sell cigars. <laughs> Breaking. Yeah. You heard it here first. You heard it here first. That's really good. Have you had it? Yeah, it was good. Oh, very nice. That's one of my favorite AJs, the oval. I, I love, I the, love oval. the oval. Yeah. I yeah. haven't had one in a long time. So Hector's going to swoop in there and he had to, he had to spend five or six days in Nestle. So he came out with something good. I love it. I love it. That's awesome. Well, guys, thank you so much for being on the show. We really appreciate it. Always great talking to you. We learn so much from you guys. And, and uh, that's we the know one, that's the one Anthony. Too. So thank you so much for being on. No, of course. For having us. Yeah. Any, any time for you guys. 
All right. Uh, viewers and listeners, guys, thank you so much for watching live on Facebook and live on YouTube. We thank you so much for your time. And if you're listening after the fact on the audio podcast, thank you so much for making us, as we always say, a part of your regular audio podcast rotation. Uh, if you guys have questions for us, you can email us directly on the website, howaboutthatcigar.com. Make sure to follow us on all social media at HBT Cigar. And of course, until we see you guys next time, burn cigars, not bridges. Thanks, guys. Thanks, everybody. Any comments, opinions, viewpoints, or statements presented or uttered by guests on the HBTC podcast, HBTC live video streams, and all other media from HBT Media LLC are solely those of the individual and do not necessarily represent the opinions or viewpoints of How About That Cigar or its parent company, HBT Media LLC, any of our advertising partners, or the premium cigar industry. The primary purpose of How About That Cigar is to entertain and to encourage activity and growth within the community of people who enjoy or want to learn about the enjoyment of premium premium cigars.